Hello and thank you for listening to episode 48 of 60 Minutes With. I'm Dave and this is the April Entertainment Show for 2016, which means I'm joined all the way in this Midlands man cave uh, with, by Chris. Hello. Hello. I like that Midlands man cave. It is. It is your man cave though, isn't it? It is man cave. Yes, you've been in my man cave, haven't you? No. That, that sounds a bit rude actually. <laughs> I haven't. You came in my man cave. I came in it. But it didn't take me long from when I entered it to uh, to that happening either. When you squeezed yourself in through the entry. That's it. Oh, even just looking at it nearly got me. <laughs> so, oh. hey, it's, hello? Is that hello? It? Hello? I was just having a cup of tea. What, what? Is anybody on the other end of this? Can you hear me? What, what are you doing on the line? Is it Dave? Yeah, hello. Who else is on this? It's it's Chris. Hi, Chris. Hello, who's this? Oh, do you remember me? <laughs> Ramrod. You're back from Eastern Europe. I'm back. I've, I've came back about three hours ago. Uh, um, did everything go successfully? Well, I didn't know you were recording a show. I just come online to talk to me uh, boyfriend I met over there in Prague. <laughs> and it's rang straight through to you two because you're under boyfriends. Ah, uh, so an easy mistake. It's just come straight through to you two. What are you doing recording a show? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you, I was trying somebody on Gay Rabbit. <laughs> mm. Sorry, I'm just drinking a lovely hot cup of tea. Um, I've learned a new Zen way while I've been out having my supposed sex change. Yeah. Not really, Dave. I didn't go out there for a sex change. I went for a, a bit of a change of sexual activity, if you know what I mean. Oh, um, well, that's what you meant when you said sex yeah. change. Change of sex. Keep this off the books, right? But Okay, you know, I'll, I'll edit this out. 36 years of age now, and I've done quite pretty much everything you can do with a woman. So I thought maybe we'd go and look at uh, greener pastures or browner pastures, some would say. <laughs> and see what's available in the world. And I found a lot of very strange things. It was kind of like um, that film Into the Wild, but without the folk soundtrack and more Emile Hirsch's skinny little dick. So it, it, wasn't, it wasn't changing your name to Rim Job. You were literally going for Rim Job. I don't know where you got that from. That's on you, that is. That's your evil projection. I just come back this morning, so, yeah, I haven't had a drink for a while. I'm, I'm uh, teetotal. That's it. And you're literally drinking tea. Oh, it's nice and warm in both my hands as I caress my cup. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite nice to bump into you again because I've got a lot to talk about. Oh, well, that's all right. It's quite fortuitous. I've got a lot to talk about. I'm a new man in a new life, and I've got lots of new things to talk about. Well, this is it. I'm used to you being here when we record, but you're not. You're, you know, in, in your place. Have you got a man cave like Chris has? It's, it's like a man mansion now, um, because you can get so much in it. Probably could get a lot in Chris if you lube him up, right? <laughs> but, um, yeah, you can get a lot in here. Yeah, poppers and lube. That's a secret. So that's all you need. Yeah. Hey, you get them cheap in Prague, let me tell you. <laughs> You're not left wanting over there. So, yeah, hello, everybody. Hello. Well, you may as well kick us off then, mate, seeing as you've snuck onto the bloody line. Oh, let's well. Say, before we start, it's great to have you back. Oh, bless your heart, mate. It bless really is. Well, I, I did do a side podcast while I was in Prague, but nobody could speak Turk. <laughs> so we got very... F- small audience out there and nobody knew what I was talking about so um, yeah if I can get back to a bit of coherence on here that'll be good yeah 
Oh, that's lovely. It's lovely to be back, though, and, and, and speak to my lovely two boyfs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm glad we're under boyfriends on your Skype. You're under boyfriends. I don't know what happened to Enrique. I'll have to message him sideways. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have to apologise. So I'll be online for FaceTime later, baby. <laughs> <laughs> is FaceTime what I think it is? Like, yeah, you know, it's c- come face. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bukake party, <laughs> but you don't call it a bukake party because everybody will know what it is. <laughs> Oh, do I have to start off? Yeah, I'm putting you under pressure from the I'm off. A cup of tea, yeah? If, you, if you're going to burst into the bloody call, you may as well, you know. I'm going to burst into you in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'll start off then. Go on. Um, I'll start off. Um, it's been quite difficult um, to watch a lot of stuff with a lot of stuff going on in your life. So you've tried to, tried to squeeze stuff in here, there and everywhere. And last week, I think, or the week before, maybe last week, I was lucky enough to go to Cineworld's Unlimited Screening, which is, I don't know if you party to one of these, what they are. They're kind of like um, a preview screening of a movie before it comes out. Um, And this film I've read a lot about, and when I saw it was going to be the Unlimited Screening, they only show it one time, one day, and then it, you never see it until it's released like a month or two months later. Um, and it's a film called Green Room. Um, I don't know if anybody's heard or read about this film coming out yet. But go ahead if you have. No. Is this Patrick Stewart? That's the one. Make it so. Ah, OK. Yeah. Or in this one, it's Zeke Hyung. <laughs> um <laughs> Now, this movie I'd read a bit about, and when I saw it being as the unlimited screen, and I went, holy shit, we've got to fucking go and see this on the big screen. Because this is the sort of movie that I... You know, like Dave says, um, you know, like, uh, Cockrock is his bread and butter. So this sort of movie is my bread and butter. This is one of those movies where it's all set around one fateful night, and it's a siege movie. Um, It's made by a guy called... Salinger, I think his name is. I can't remember the guy's proper name. But anyway, he did a film a couple of years ago called Blue Ruin, um, which was a bit of an an indie hit. It was like loved on the um, festival circuit. And it was a very gritty sort of revenge movie. Um, So I was aware of that. And he made a film a few years before that called Murder Party, which I've not seen yet and I need to seek out. Now, Green Room, I thought, well, if he's he's making like an Assault on Precinct 13 style movie, I have to go and see it. I was fucking shocked to my core at what he got on screen in this film. The violence in it. I mean, when the when the the card comes up at the beginning, it says eighteen strong, gory violence. You don't get that in the cinema often these days. And I was so pleased with what I saw on the screen. It basically follows um, Anton Yelchin from Star Trek and um, what's that great Alpha Dog with Justin Timberlake in another good movie. And he's one of four early 20s kids um, in a punk band in going around America, just touring here and everywhere. And they get to uh, an interview with a young lad who's doing like a college magazine. And they do an interview with him and he, he gives them the address of this like this backwards bar they can go and uh, do a gig in for good money. But he does warn them that when they go there, don't talk politics, it's very right-wing, you know, be careful who you upset there, but they'll pay really well. So these four kids, they're so brilliantly played by these... Um, you've got Joe Coles, one of the actors, and he's a British actor who was in um, a film called Stardup. Well, was it Stardup? Yeah. Um, uh, 
great. That's young violent actor. as hell as well. Isn't Very it? violent. Um, he's in it. Anton Yelchin. Uh, there's another couple of kids in it who I wasn't too familiar with, but they the way they start off and he's this guy writes and directs their characters are just instantly likable because you can tell they're from decent backgrounds. They're not scumbags. They're not white trash. They love their punk music and they're great friends. And you really don't want anything bad to happen to them um, when they go down to this bar to play this gig. Anyway, when they get there, and I won't give you massive spoilers here, but it's it's like skinhead central. Um, they start off with a song called Nazi Punk's Fuck Off by the Dead Kennedys. Now, the music all the way throughout the film is excellent as well. Slayer, you know, Dead Kennedys, Misfit, stuff like that. Now, the crowd are all skinheads, so they don't get the joke straight away that they're kind of going from. It's a punk sensibility, isn't it? It's anarchy and all mm. this. Anyway, they go backstage after the gig and something terrible's happened and they've been party to it. And the skinheads don't really want them to go anywhere because they think they may talk about what they've seen there mm. so then they call up Darcy who's Patrick Stewart playing totally against type I've never seen him play somebody so sinister I can only liken him to like Stacy Keach's character in American History X where he's like the the overseer of something sinister that's going on there I won't tell you what the whole details are but when that happens you're in for the next 80 odd minutes of absolute mental violence siege awesome movie i can't talk it up enough this film i wanted to watch it instantly again um like when i saw purge anarchy the warriors enemy territory judgment night these movies are like my favorite movies and this is instantly in the canon for me um some of the shots he uses in it are going to stay with me forever um open doors and darkness and just machetes popping out of the darkness like alien or something um people getting shotgunned at point blank in the face um hacked up arms which I, I, you'd only see on something on the bloody dark web you know real brutal violence dog attacks throats ripped out it was mental and a real good heart in it as well because these kids you are terrified for them they are they are in the wrong place at the wrong time and they have got to fight to survive 10 out of 10 Whoa, absolutely stunning film absolutely stunning um seeing it in a cinema as well and seeing it with an, a big audience and like it's almost like an exploitation movie um but it's done very is is almost like he's got like a Shane Meadows sort of way about how he directs stuff he's very good at doing down-to-earth characterization he's good at doing American small-town stereotypes like we would have you know in like like Chris is from the Midlands so you'd have your accent and stuff like that these kids have all got their own stories um it was terrifying it really was I, I liken it to Aliens as well. In like it's sustained terror for the entire movie, and you do not know what the fuck is going to happen next. Only that it's only going to get worse. The more people that turn up, the more code they speak in, because you don't really know what they're talking about. You've just been dropped into the middle of this nightmare, and they're talking in code, and you only find out later what that code means. And it's never a good thing. It's only ever a bad thing. Um, Nazi skinheads aren't very nice. They don't want to shoot you. They want to stab you and chop you with machetes and set their evil dog on you, which they command with Nazi 
Nazi words, German <laughs> Nazi words. Oh my God, it was a nightmare. But that's where I've been. <laughs> wow. I've been watching that. It's amazing. I'm just looking now at Metacritic and it's uh, universally praised. It, I mean, it, yeah, the, what you listening to you talk about, it sounds frigging awesome. Oh my God. Honestly, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I mean, without a spoiler here, by telling you the context of it, there's a bit where a character puts their arm through a door to hand something to someone. And all you hear is him screaming and somebody's got hold of him and won't let him go. And you can hear these horrible things. When he pulls his arm back in, it looks like his arm's been in a shredder. Now, it is so shocking because it comes at a point in the film where... Not a lot's been going on, and it hasn't been, been... It's horrific. And from that point on, you see stomachs slit open, arms broken, like a French horror movie sort of violence, you know? Really awesome. And Patrick Stewart is a bad motherfucker when he wants to be. <laughs> I mean, I've seen him get off with a man in life force, so he has got that tender side to him. He's also um, a beloved Star Trek cast member but he's also an evil Nazi bastard in this and even like my girlfriend and her dad who were there with us they both were like in awe after it so even to somebody that's not a huge genre fan absolutely loved it so I think it's out maybe the end of May over here uh, it's out in the states already but yeah watch it by all means wow oh, yeah I'll have to go to that hmm mm-hmm. I had a sip of tea then I could tell <laughs> I thought it was either that or you were like self-relating yourself it was, well, one, it was one or I, the other. I can do that now since I've been to Prague. <laughs> Prince, Prince, God rest his soul. Can we just have a shout out to Prince as oh, well? Yeah. Did he ever get to suck his own dick? Because that was the thing going around about him, wasn't it? Well, would it be easier, like the smaller you are, because you've not got as far to bend down? So. Yeah, I heard this rumour that he'd had a rib removed or something. To fucking... <laughs> <laughs> he, I mean, he was. He was a dirty bastard, wasn't he? But fuck me, what a lot. What a genius, what a musician. And... What a ledge. But absolutely, you know. I was um, listening to some of his music, and I can't help but smile every time I put you sexy motherfucker on. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and I was looking at some of the... Because I've got, like, the greatest hits or whatever, and some of the songs, like the titles, um, are just filthy, you know. Um, all about shagging and pussies bit getting wet and all <laughs> he knew He knew what he was talking about, didn't he? <laughs> yeah. Great. What what a loss though, but yeah. Um yeah. but yeah. I'm not self-flating, I was just having tea because I remember I'm a changed man. Of course. <laughs> but not as changed as we thought you were gonna be. No, sorry Dave. Mm. I know you were rooting for that, weren't you? I was hoping for a good bloody feel of your tits at the very <laughs> least. Fucking... I thought we were family, man. <laughs> Jesus. Well exactly. You know, it's the least you could do. I bet that's oh. the first thing you'd do as well, wouldn't it? I'd do anything for you, Bubs. Anything. <laughs> <laughs> You keep me fucking happy, Dave, in other ways. Oh. oh. Oh, look, I'm back now. I did a green room chat. You did? You did? And you got us both excited <laughs> for it as well. <laughs> oh, God. I wish I could watch it again, though. It was it was so cool. It, I just fear, though, it's going to be one of those movies that just disappears without a whimper. And nobody will get to see it. Mm. Yeah. I was just looking on IMDb and the box office for it. Because it's been out. It came out in 2015, I think, in America. Um, oh, there you go, then. And yeah, it's uh, according. Well, yeah, according to IMDb, but uh, when that's never not always right, is it? So, mm. you know. Yeah, that's but, true. Hmm. Uh, nice one. It was awesome. Go yeah. on, Chris. How can you follow that? Go on, Chris. Pressure oh. on. Okay. Well, so just to set the scene a little bit, um, we 
uh, say we, that's um, me, my wife and daughter, went away on holiday to the Lake District. And as we've done in the past, you know, in the evenings when Lucy's gone to bed, we'll take the DVD player with us and we'll stick something on. Uh, last time around, I think we just watched a lot of Columbo episodes, as daft as that sounds. We watched like House. But we thought we'll, we'll take some films, but the sort of like the if you like, the sort of ground rules were, because I'm a bit anal when it comes to that kind of stuff, uh, is that we'll take films that we've never seen before, you know, we've got in the cabinet that we've never watched, we'll just take them. Uh, so she picked some stuff that she would have liked, you know, which I would have hated instantly, no doubt. <laughs> uh, and then there's some stuff that I thought, well, I'll take that, not seen that before. So um, first movie we watched on the first night was um, Talk Radio Ooh. by Oliver Stone. Now, this was a bit of a rule bender for me because I have seen bits of it. I, I vaguely remember seeing it when I was younger. It was on like BBC One or something like that. So, and uh, I just remember the the sort of there's you know the rate. It was all about radio presenter and you know he's a bit of a gobshite to put it you know it, bluntly. I guess um, it's based on a play. Um, Eric Bog. Oh, I always get mixed up with his fucking name. Bog- Bogosian, I think he, that's how he pronounced it. Um, he um, wrote the play, and um, Oliver Stone directs, and it all centres around this. Um, this DJ, you know, shock. Well, not DJ. Sort of like talk. Well, talk radio. Like the bloody, you know, name of the show goes uh, of the film. Uh, you know, he's a, he's a radio host and he's like a shock jock kind of thing. He's like Howard Stern. It's actually based on a, a true story of a radio DJ called Alan Berg from what I've read up, who was wor- uh, murdered by uh, white supremacists, talk, uh, linking it to the Nazis, the neo Nazis, and all that kind of stuff. Well played. There you go. Um, and yeah, it sort of centres around the. His name's, um, I think it's Barry Champ- Champlain. Yeah, that's it. And it's all about him and him talking to people and basically insulting them from, you know, that's what he does. Essentially, people phone up um, and, you know, what do you want to talk about? And he just then insults them and he gets some creepy fucking phone calls and he gets like people calling him a Jew and wanting to murder him, threatening to kill him, people sending him packages through the post, uh, you know, with pictures of a, uh, you know, a swastika and all sorts of horrible shit. Then he kind of goes into his background, how he became a DJ, and uh, I keep calling him a DJ, he's not a DJ, but, you know, like radio host. And I just remember, like I said, I've got this striking sort of memory of this... Uh, he does this, uh, like a bit of... It's like a monologue almost, and he's, like, talking to... Um, this person on the other end of the phone and it's like he's just kind of he's he's having a meltdown like live on radio and he's uh he's talking about himself and and this his feelings and how he's uh you know how, how the people are sort of dragging him down essentially and and you know he's living in all this shitty world and you know all he's dealing with all these people's shitty problems and he he just doesn't want it anymore you know and then that's what I remember of it, and I didn't remember any more of that. Now, having seen the film now, it's it's obviously, you know, aged a little bit. It's from 1988, and uh, I'm not sure whether it's... Sort of, I liked it, you know, it's it's very sort of like... It's Oliver Stone, isn't it? You know, so it's quite kinetic. It's, it's There's lots of drama, you know, um, there's tension. Um, I say Eric uh, Bogosian, he's excellent, you know, he's very good, uh, you know, as, as Barry. He's irritating but that's the character he's playing you know he's, he's just he's, he's the kind of person that you want to punch in the fucking face um but uh he plays his character well and it's i think it's dated in terms of the 
a lot of the content, you know, in terms, you know, things have perhaps moved on in terms of the politics and everything. There's lots of stuff about, you know, AIDS is still relevant, obviously, but it was huge then. And there's lots of stuff about, you know, the, uh, the, the government regime and at the time. But um, generally speaking, I thought it was very good. Um, Kay didn't think it was very good, you know, but that's because <laughs> it's not her type of film. So, but um, yeah, have you guys seen this? I don't think I have, you know. Haven't you? I don't oh, think so. Okay. What about I you, mean, It's like 1980, late 80s or something it come out. Yeah, I 80s. loved it. I had it on video for ages. I I mean, he's the bad guy, Dave, in Under Siege 2. The, yeah. The Duke, oh, Duke okay. Guy. Yeah. He's uh, he's fucking awesome. I always remember uh, Michael Wincott having a great role in it. Yeah, as, yeah. As, like, he's like, a metal, hey, dude. He's like, oh, so LA. And he's off his tits in it. And he comes into the studio, doesn't he? Doesn't he invite him in or something? Yeah. And he can't believe he's on the show, but then he hates him, doesn't he? And he, he's, he does play it so well because he gets to a point in the movie where he realises that he is a prick and this guy is going to murder him. And it is very chilling, isn't it? Because I mean, I've been threatened in work and probably we've all had run-ins with people where you're just doing your job and for right or wrong and somebody hates you for it. And it gets to the point in this movie where this guy gets murdered for just being an outspoken person. Obviously, he's racially murdered, isn't he? Because it's a white supremacist and he's a Jew and all that. But yeah, I think it's a it's a fucking hell of a film, and it's quite a forgotten film for Oliver Stone, I think. In with All Born on the Fourth of July, Platoon, and Wall Street, it was out kind of around that time, wasn't it? Before he did Heaven and Earth, and it kind of gets lost by the way this film but i i really like it because it's all quite claustrophobic as well it's yeah. all in the radio station yeah. yeah i've loved it for a long time yeah so we, i'm glad we watched that it is um, like you said it's it's well filmed it's got john c mcginley who i always love he's uh you know a long time collaborator with um oliver stone he's been in a lot of his films i always think he's great so i've seen him there but yeah michael wincott um i don't think there's enough michael wincott to be honest with you i always love him oh, I, I, in, the, in crow. Uh, the crow fuck me what a, yes yeah, amazing in that so um but yeah it was it's well worth seeking out dave uh, and like you think you're right it is probably one of the you know overlooked oliver stone movies uh, i do like oliver stone i mean like just think looking at his back catalogue i mean platoon's a fucking masterpiece you know i, was, I mm. think that's incredible um but yeah well worth well worth seeking out and i'm glad that we watched that so i do have more films but i don't know should we should we take go, take it in turn should we go around the yeah. hall i want to i want to know what she what 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 your what your missus said about it what was her actual review of talk radio <laughs> shit <laughs> <laughs> oh it's isn't it horrible when that happens because you yeah. probably were really enthusiastic about it, weren't you, after you watched it? I said to Tina um, when we talked, I think, last time uh, in the last show that, you know, Magnolia is one of my favourite films of all time. I just adore it. I think it's incredible. And we, I remember, you know, I sat, we sat down and watched it and I thought, she's going to, this is in the early days when we first started going, I mean, fucking hell, we've been together for over 10 years now. So, but it's, so I know what she's like. But it's like there and you think, oh, my God, she's going to adore this as much as me. And then she sat through it and she didn't talk through it, which is unusual for her, I must admit. And she just watched it. And at the end of it, I was like, oh, OK, so what did you think? And she said, well, that was a load of bollocks, wasn't it? And I was like, oh, oh. that was harsh. <laughs> but then I think, Dave, you'd be in that camp as well, wouldn't you? You're not a, ma a massive fan of Magnolia. No, I've got to admit I'm not. No. So, yeah, you know, it's horses for courses, isn't it? So the next film we watched was one of her choices, Ooh. which I thought was bollocks. So, but I don't know, <laughs> What was I don't it? Know, what was it? Well, should I tease it? Or, or Dave, do you want to go next and, and pick something? Go on, go on then. I'll, 
I'll tell you about... I've got a load of documentaries I want oh, to tell you about. Oh, come on. Educate us, Daddy. Okay, here you go. <laughs> the first one I'll tell you about um, from 2015. Doesn't outstay its welcome. 80 minutes. So, you know, you're in and out very quick. Called Finders Keepers. Familiar mm. to anybody? Either of you watched it? No. There's a horror movie called Finders Keepers. Yeah, that's probably what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, this documentary, it's... Um, you know, like Storage Hunters and all those programmes are really popular at the moment. And there's like Storage Hunters New York and whatever else they call them. Yeah. It starts like that. Um, this guy called Shannon Wisnant. He, like... <laughs> name? Yeah, just wait. He adopts, he adopts another name, which is even better. So he... he just blind buys a load of this stuff and, and what's in, the, in like one of these storage places is a barbecue grill so he thinks oh yeah pretty decent barbecue grill he opens up the top of it and in it is an amputated leg now i don't mean like the plastic bit i mean the, oh. the real leg that's been cut off somebody what? and it's been in there for ages and it's all dried up and, and it, it looks disgusting but what they do one of the great things that they do because all the way through it obviously you want to go what does the leg look like you've got to wait till the end of the documentary the last sort of 10 minutes before you actually see the leg itself but in a chain of events that happens I mean, it it shows, and this is this will go on to one of the other documentaries that I'll tell you about in a bit. It's about human greed. So this guy, he markets himself because you know online and all this kind of stuff as the Footman. <laughs> he has like these T-shirts what? made of the Footman because it gets on local news. From local news, it goes viral. It goes into like national news and international news. So of course, with it all being all over the news everywhere, the guy whose leg it is gets to hear about it so of course he wants his leg back and so how did, how did he lose his fuck how did well, his leg end up there you find it, it's heartbreaking <laughs> it is heartbreaking it's heartbreak. it's just like a horror film <laughs> it is the chain of events of what happens after this guy lost his leg john wood is the name of the guy that lost his leg um i'm not going to tell you how he lost it i'll let you find out for that and the listeners find out when they watch the documentary but what happens afterwards, because of the way that he lost it, he hits the drugs and he hits the booze big time. Nice. And, and so he's a mess, right? He's a real mess. Um, but he finds out, you know, that's my leg. So, of course, he goes, I want my leg. So ensues, like, this court battle <laughs> for who owns the leg. Because this guy, the, you know, the footman, he says, well, you know, I bought it. It was part of... The, you know, the, the stuff that I bought, it was in the barbecue grill. He said, you know, if you buy a second-hand wardrobe and there's a shirt in there, you own the shirt, don't you? You know, because it was in there. He says, I own this leg. So, of course, John's going, but it's my fucking leg. <laughs> you know, I own it naturally. Um, so there's a really big battle with that. This, the footman, is... You know, it's, it's, it probably divide a few people. I was against him. I was really against him because all he wants is to earn money from it. And he's obsessed with becoming this TV slash internet celebrity. That's all he wants is to be just this celebrity. Um, whereas obviously John just wants his leg back. Uh, and he gets duped a couple of times by these... You couldn't make it up, could you? <laughs> there's, this new, there's, Fucking hell. there's these news people who go, oh, yeah, we want to film you, you know, you're the fuck man and we want to big you all up, and he falls for it because he wants to be this celebrity. And they basically dupe him and make him look a right dick. Um, so that backfires on him. Uh, I'm not going to tell you how it ends or who ends up owning the leg, but there's some really 
for 80 minutes there's so much happens in it and it's good you either pick one side or the other do you go well yeah he bought you know he bought the grill and that so he owns it but I know you could side with the other guy will go it's his fucking leg so you know of course it's his but the series of events that happens afterwards and John's story about what happens that goes into his family fascinating mate it's a really good packed 80 minute documentary how did you come across this I can't remember. <laughs> it was just one of those. It it just come up somewhere on like social media scrolling, and I thought, oh, that sounds pretty interesting. So, uh, oh, actually, I do know how I did it. I was listening to an NFL podcast, believe it or not, <laughs> and the host is D- the Dave Damashek football program. If anybody wants to know, and it was Dave Damashek was saying he'd watched it the previous night and recommended it. That's how this shit gets shared around, isn't it? That's how it gets shared, by listening to an NFL podcast. That's it. That is mental, that. Finders Keepers, 2015. Finders Keepers. Mm -hmm. Recommended. That is just crazy, isn't it? You couldn't write that shit, could you? You That's a good thing with documentaries, isn't it? Because they're probably better than movies most of the time, aren't they? Yeah. It's just because it's real life, and it's so mental that you couldn't write a script to that, could you? Because everybody goes, I'm not making that film, it's bollocks. Yeah, you wouldn't believe it. Oh, yeah, he buys a barbecue grill, and there's a leg in it. (laughs) Was it cooked? No. No, nobody Mm. cooked it. But But it was raw on the barbecue. Yeah, it just... Yeah, you'll find it. It's quite out. poetic, isn't it? Yeah. But, of course, it just all dried out and was mangled. There's still flesh on it and everything, oh, but it was all, me. like, sort of... You know when you hang meat out to dry? It was it was all like that, but it had gone all gnarly, and it was like the toenails had still grown for a little bit. Oh. It was, oh. Jesus Christ. That's, yeah. a, that's great. Here's yeah. a question, then. If if this if that was you, what the fuck would you do with it? What, if I bought a barbecue and there was a yeah. leg in it? Yeah, what would you do? Dave, fuck it or something. <laughs> He'd end up taking photos with it like the end of the hangover. (laughs) Stick it up his arse. That's it. (laughs) Fucking hell. Bit of toe sucking. Oh, Jesus Christ. Fucking hell. I'd freak out, though. I I mean, I wouldn't make T-shirts and go, here's a guy that found the leg, you know. I'd be more worried about them thinking I put the leg there. Yeah. Somebody's got, like, the fucking police are going to come after me for chopping someone's leg off or killing someone. What what would you do, Dave? Would you keep it or would you bin it? Um... I don't, you'd probably just like you'd have to tell the police, wouldn't you? And go, look, I found you know I've bought this and there's a leg in it, wouldn't you? You couldn't just you wouldn't want to touch it and throw it away or bury no. it or anything, would you? You know, it's I don't know. Yeah, you'd, yeah, I'd probably like phone the police and go, I found a leg. Sinister as fuck, that isn't it? Yeah. I always worry, like, because I when you hear about people like you know, I was out walking the dog and I found a corpse. I would hate that to happen to me because the fucking anxiety I'd suffer. <laughs> From thinking I had, especially if it was like a hot naked woman I found dead, I'd be like, I didn't touch it, I didn't put it there, it's nothing to do with me. It would I make would... a great chew for Bodhi, our dog, though, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Well, Imagine I'd probably, him that. If it was fucking a hot woman, I'd probably have a bit of a moral conundrum, really, about, you know, taking her home and cleaning her up and <laughs> keeping her in a cupboard. <laughs> you ever said that? We, I was having a conversation in work the other day with some of the gentlemen I work with, with few and far between, about what would you do if, like, a really hot woman, like, that you didn't know and you weren't related to, like, died in front of you and you had a bit of time before anybody else found out, what would you do? And I always wait for the blokes to say, how did she die? <laughs> and then you know they're thinking that, yeah, they probably feel her up or fuck her or something. 
But yeah, only I thought that. So nobody, everybody just says, oh, that'd be awful, wouldn't it? And I was thinking, oh, you're not on the same level as me at all, are you here? See, but I do, you know, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, I'd be worried about sticking my cock in the mouth, though, because in case the, the jaws clamp shut or something. <laughs> <laughs> See, if she had, like, got her head run over, then... <laughs> Do you know what I mean? But if she like just like passed away and you're like next to you, like a heart attack or something like that, and she was still like she was alive-ish, you know, and you had that fucking two seconds before you needed to ring the ambulance or somebody came around the corner, would you? You know, you'd have I don't know. Maybe it's just me. <laughs> Depends how much you've had to drink when it happens. I <laughs> Obviously, I'd ring the police straight away. Yeah, that's what I said. Of course. That's what I said. I wanted to ring the police after I watched uh, my next movie, Ooh, and I wanted I wanted them to come and shoot the people that made it. Oh my god! Do, are you ready to hear about a real bad idea? <laughs> Go on. Go on. Point Break the remake. Oh, oh. now I've seen oh. this. Jesus Christ, right. I sat in my tattooist, Steve Victrix tattoo, uh, Amy Johnson. Um, go there for all your tattoo needs because my beautiful girlfriend is now an apprentice there and does tattoos. Woo-hoo. So I've got this luxurious life where I can nip in there now on a Saturday and get lovely, lovely tattoos and watch films while I get tattooed, which is brilliant. So I was sitting there and I was flicking around on this, uh, you know, fire stick, whatever they've got, and up comes Point Break 2015. I thought, Oh, you know what? I'm sitting here for three hours. I'm not going to choose to put this on at home, so I might as well watch it. And the girls will be happy in there. I'm in a studio with three other girls, and there's hot men in it. Edgar Ramirez is very hot, isn't he? So I don't know if you've seen this guy. Mm. I've seen seen Domino. He's the hot foreign guy in that, and he's playing Bodie. Did the dog run at the door then, Dave? (laughs) No, he's downstairs. He's playing Bodie in this remake. Now, this isn't your daddy's point break, if you know what I mean by that. <laughs> this ain't this ain't surfing down in LA with fucking Gary Busey in the fucking chili dog. This is some um, super duper triple X reimagining of point break where let's how did how did I how made it at the beginning, hold on, let me get my words right here. The way they make Johnny Utah's character, I can't even remember if his character is called Johnny Utah in this. I paid so little attention to it. <laughs> the way they make him hard in this is they give him tattoos, right? So he's got a hand tattoo and he's got this weird splurgy black tribal on his chest as if a child threw paint on him. It's the worst bit of fucking makeup I've ever seen in my life in a movie and it's supposed to make him look cool and hard. It doesn't. It makes him look like a prick. He's a fucking useless <laughs> bastard in this. Keanu Reeves was as we all know, amazing in Point Break. He still had that fresh face, just come off Bill and Ted look about him. He wasn't hard in it but he did play it to a point where he is hard, isn't he? And he is yeah. you know, soaking wet on the beach looking amazing at the end and he's been on this journey this guy starts off he's he's cool he's hard he likes alternative sports or whatever you call it and i thought when was this film made in like 1999 or something it's fucking ridiculous jumping off a cliff jumping off a fucking uh, a tower with a squirrel flying suit on oh i don't even know what the fuck i was watching it was meant <laughs> Bas- basically like Delroy Lindo's in it, um, which is like the low-budget Keith David. He's kind of like the police chief, and he 
I think I'm trying to get the plot out of my head because it was so shit that basically they they are robbing places. Um, there's a nod to the first movie where they're dressed as presidents, but that's the only real nod there to that. And they're distributing the wealth of the world back to poorer parts of the country. And then he's a Johnny Utah guy who's got like blonde hair and muscles is assigned to kind of track them down. And he's got this theory about them that they're chasing these eight challenges all across the world. These eight death defying things that only the few have ever completed. I mean, by this time I wanted to kill myself. I'm getting tattooed at the same time. So that was painful enough <laughs> while I'm trying to follow what's going on in this bollocks. I mean, they, they go to the, the top of like Peru, they go to the the Arctic. Um, he has street fights with Edgar Ramirez, and they're all very sweaty with their tops off and muscly. I didn't know whether to have a wank or turn it off. Do you know what I mean? It was <laughs> it's just fucking bizarre. We even get to a point where he chases Bodhi through a jungle. I mean, don't get me wrong; they've spent a fucking lot of money on this movie, and I mean a lot of money. It is exotic. It's like a James Bond movie. The locations in it. But there's a bit, and I did laugh out loud, where he's chasing Bodhi, where he's realised he's a cop. And it's that scene where the foot chase in Point Break, which is one of the greatest things ever committed to action film, um, is really shittily recreated, where they just kind of have a little run through the jungle. And then he falls over and they exchange a look and he actually fires his gun in the air, just like Keanu Reeves did. And I laughed out loud, like, is this really (laughs) happening? How the fuck can they do this? It's absolute sacrilege. It's not even like a like a, a good sort of nod to it it's a it's like some shitty vin diesel triple x bollocks that should never see the light of day it should have been buried in whatever film studio that made it and just cast into hell how the fuck they could release it with point break on it is disgusting um that said edgar ramirez is my new man crush though this guy makes wet hair look fucking horny <laughs> as fuck he's he's excellent in it and I think Gerard Butler was touted originally as being yeah, yeah, yeah. Odie. That would have been a, probably a better movie because he's got a bit of charisma, you know, and he's Gerard Butler. It, if they'd have stuck to the same premise as Point Break, kept it a bit more centralised on one thing, which that one was, why it works so well, not just the great acting. Catherine Bigelow's fucking direction was incredible the soundtrack was amazing the violence was bang on you know this has none of that it's like a 14 year old boy's reimagining of point break you know with it's like he's playing with his toys in the sandpit it's just ridiculous bag of shit Mm. dave I i think they tried to hook the audience for it with the promise of a succession of really over the top stunt scenes which I don't know about you, mate. None really particularly impressed me. Nope. Anyway, um, they just got a bit. It sounds stupid to say, but they got a bit boring. Really, it's like, oh, here's another stunt scene. That's, uh, and I think I could be wrong. I think they promised, oh, everything's practical. There's no like CG. They were, we're really doing all this shit, but there was CG in it. Uh, the deaths that were in it, the, like the the bad. Well. Depending on how you look at them, so-called bad guys, Bodie's gang, guys. Yeah. yeah, they die one by one, and the deaths are so telegraphed that me yeah. and Tina were sat there going, "He's next, get ready, he's going to die." And it's like oh, you could just see it coming, and it's like you say, it's so ridiculous because it gets to the end, and you've got Bodie who's in on this little boat in this massive storm in the middle of the sea somewhere, 
terrible. The CGI is CG atrocious. is terrible, and he's you know he's going there to try and surf the biggest wave ever. And Tina said, "Why is he wearing a coat?" Because it's pissing down so hard, and he's got a wetsuit on because he's going to go surfing anyway. You know, like why bother wearing that coat? But he's yeah, the, I forget his name, the actor that plays him. Who? Which one now? Bodie. Bodie Edgar Ramirez. Yeah, he is really good in it. Um, it's just a pity, like you said, it, it, he's put in the middle of a shit film. <laughs> he's he. I mean, his look. He's he's striking, isn't he? And I haven't seen him in a lot of films, but I do know he's he's playing Robert Duran, the boxer. Oh yeah, so uh, trailer for that, yeah, 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 with Robert De Niro in it. I think he's gonna nail on that role because that's the sort of shit. Looking at him in this, if he gets a role like that, and especially as like a famous old boxer, it's gonna be pretty fucking cool, isn't it? He's gonna nail yeah. it. Um, you you sound, almost, mate. You, you sound like you've you've stepped away. From the mic. This fucking mic. Hang on, is this There better? you go, that's better. I'm trying to wank at the same time here, I I'm sorry. You yeah, I thought you got Yeah, I thought missus is upstairs so I can crack one off now, can I? <laughs> Wi-Fi on here, I've got a fucking XVID going and everything. Um, we almost forgot to mention through all this, Dave, that Ray Winston's in it as Pappas. I was just going to ask oh, you, for... how is he? He's how Ray Winston. How is he? He's a cunt. He's a cunt. <laughs> What is he doing in this film? It's it's so out of place in it. It's like what the fuck? All these fucking chiselled, sweaty, tanned, beautiful men with beards, and they Ray fucking Winston. Answer me this then: head. Is Ray Winston supposed to be American in this? No, I don't know, Ray. Because it's the worst man. fucking American accent ever. Because he sounds like that. It's just, wait, what are you trying to do in American accent, or what? Because it's if he is, it's fucking awful. Is he the obvious replacement for Gary Busey? Eight, late 80s Gary Busey is 2016's Ray Winston. How <laughs> the fuck did that happen? Gary Busey is mental, isn't he, in Point Break? Yeah. And that's his character. He's been there, he's done it all, and he's a hard, nutty cunt for it. Ray Winston's been there, ate it all, and farted it out. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like he's going to die on set in this. Yeah. See, I always thought that Gary Busey is... What Bodie is, uh, not Bodie, sorry, uh, Utah, when he was that age, do you know what I mean? It's like he's grown up, but he's done all the crazy shit, you know, and he's still trying to relive it a little bit, you know, um, but he's he can't do it anymore because he's, but I fucking adore the original Point yeah. Break, you know, he's just one of the greatest movies, bro romance you know just action you know that fucking that um when they storm the house and then uh he's got a lawnmower on his fucking head you know? oh yeah and you know and then he gets shot anthony kiedis gets shot in the foot uh, and he's screaming like fuck and again john c mcginley's in it he plays a bit of a twat and you know it's just amazing that foot chase you know what other film do you get where you got like somebody throws a dog at somebody to try and get it? <laughs> Grimsby, yeah. actually. It happens in Grimsby. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. Um, throws a dog. But, you know, and I think, uh, obviously the paycheck, but you you have to question the motivation. Why would you do, why would you go in a film like this? You know, what what do you think you're going to do? That You know, to, to, I just, I can't, I can't get my head around why they would remake it. Why would they do it? You know, you've said it many times before, Dave, remake the shit films. Yeah. Why, why do something like Point Break, which, mm. although financially didn't do particularly well at the time i don't think it's a classic film it really is and by all accounts looking at again imdb uh this point break it's pg-13 as well so it was a, a 12a i think in this country which so and that's something against it already i mean fucking hell you know um 
and I think it costs $105 million estimated. You're joking budget. me. And it made back about $28, $29 million in America. So that's got to tell them something. So what yeah. the fuck are they doing? Do you know what I mean? It's just I, I, will, I, can, guarantee, I can categorically say, uh, unless I'm ever under the influence of alcohol, I will probably never, ever watch this film. I just you can't. Would, you would need to be on the best acid ever. On top of a mountain with a wolf next to you, tripping your tits off, then you still wouldn't want to watch it. <laughs> Honest to God, no. my tattoo was more enjoyable, and that was three hours of pain, and it was just bollocks. It was yeah. bollocks. But you know, that said, let's keep an eye on Edgar Ramirez's career because I think maybe bigger and better things are about to happen for him. Yeah. He and was in um, one of he was one of the assassins in the Bourne Ultimatum. That's where I remember him from. Oh, nice. Uh, Oscar Isaac crops up in that, doesn't he? I didn't notice him, but I saw him credited on it on IMDb. Oh, okay. Oscar Isaac's in the, the Bourne Ultimatum or Supremacy as one of the assassins, and I didn't notice him. Mm. But yeah, weird. But yeah, Ramirez is, is cool beans in this. It's worth watching for the one scene, I think, Dave, uh, you might back me up on this, where he has the street fight with Johnny Utah. Yeah. And it's very sweaty. It is a sweaty one, that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very sweaty. Not as sweaty as Ray Winston when he turns up. <laughs> right, but yeah, that, that happened. So yeah, I watched that. And then uh, we just fucking put Deadpool on again and everybody was happy. Yeah. <laughs> That's have, you you do it. have you seen the trailers that have just gone online for the Deadpool Blu-ray release? Yeah, I've seen one of them. Fucking brilliant, isn't it's, he? It's he, just awesome, isn't it? Yeah. He can do no wrong, Reynolds. Yeah. Have you seen the the adverts? I think they're for BT broadband, and even they. It, oh, is it Sky? I forget now. Which it's one of them anyway. He's like, "Hi, I'm Ryan Reynolds." You know, and it's just it's again, it's fucking awesome. Like you said, he's just he can't do anything wrong at the minute. I love him. He cannot do wrong. So yeah, that was my disappointing movie, but I do have better in store. Mm. Nice. Well, I've got a piece of shit as well. Um, to, so the, the <laughs> flush sec- it. The second night's <laughs> film. Um, this was Kay's, one of Kay's picks because it looks like one of those kind of like early 2000s um, teen rude comedies, you know, that were popular after American Pie sort of came up. And I always thought, well, you know, have you seen Porky's? You know, and, and, but still. <laughs> um, yeah, so we watched 40 Days and 40 Nights with Josh Hartness. Have you oh, seen have I'm you seen so this? sorry, Chris, that happened. <laughs> I'm so Dave, sorry. Dave, have you seen it? I haven't seen it, no. All right, then. So this is uh, uh, Josh Hartner, who at the time was on his way. Well, he was a big star, I think, you know. Um, not quite sure why after watching this, although I do like the faculty. Uh, he obviously, he's in um, Black Hawk Down as well. Um, and he was touted at one point to be Superman, you know. So that kind of tells you where his career was at the time. Uh, but I don't think he wanted to be Superman. I'm not quite sure why, but he that was his d- decision. Um, so, yeah, he is a guy. He's just broken up with his girlfriend. He's um, having a string of kind of like one-night stands, meaningless relationships, uh, decides that it's not working for him. So he goes on. A, he, 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 it's Lent. His brother is a priest, and he learns about what Lent is and 
decides to give up sex for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's all about his struggle to, uh, to go without sex. And then people around him, his colleagues, his work people know about this. So they then decide to, you know, make a bet out of it. You know, how long can he last? And then they start to throw obstacles in his way. So they get some of the women in the office to, you know, try and convince him to have sex, you know, by sitting on the photocopier with, um, you know, taking photos of their arse and stuff like that. And he, he meets a girl and he really likes her. And, you know, but he can't shag her. He can't kiss her. He can't have any kind of sexual thoughts or contact. He can't even have a toss, you know. So that's kind of, he's just totally cutting himself off from any kind of sexual activity. And this is a comedy, supposedly. And uh, it, it's also <laughs> supposed to be romantic, supposedly. It Honestly, I don't think, I laugh maybe once throughout the whole fucking film. It is just bollocks. It really, maybe at the time you would have thought, oh, this is all right. You know, I think he did quite well financially, but fuck me, it's hard work. And um, Kay, it, she said it was okay. I mean, I thought she was going to say, oh, that was good. But uh, no, even she said it wasn't that great. I mean, just think, you know, Josh Hartnett, he's just got, no charisma at all in this film. I don't know what it is. It's just total charisma vacuum. Um, Shannon Sossaman, she's she's the uh, female love interest, whatever. She's okay, but it's it's not naughty. You know, it says oh, it's like really naughty and all this stuff. You know, it's sexy, fresh, and wildly hip. It's none of those things. It's <laughs> it, it is fucking bollocks. Uh, the thing is, my advice to anybody, if they are deciding to give up uh, sex, you know, for any prolonged period of time, is get fucking married. Because that'll sort Yay! you out. Um, you know, <laughs> that'll, that'll sort you out. Or get your wife pregnant, because then you're guaranteed to have nine <laughs> months of uh, sex-free, uh, you know, in your life. Or even well, longer than nine months, it'll probably be like up to 12 months, potentially. Um, fuck. So that's where Red Tube comes in very handy. I was just about to say that's when you can get back acquainted with the world of porn, and there's a lot of it out there, mate. There is, and it is. It does tend to get. A, well, I'm, I'm having too much of a good time when I'm obviously uh, having a tug, but you know, you do start to worry a little bit when you actually know quite a, a lot of the porn stars' names, and you start to search for them, thinking, "Oh, I wonder what she, what videos she's in. Is there anything there's... new?" There's no shame there. I know a lot of them by their middle names. <laughs> fucking get in there. April O'Neil's worth Googling if you're not aware of it. Oh, she was from the Turtles, wasn't she? Yeah, she, there's, no fucking, there's no Turtles in this, mate. <laughs> She's got the geek chic down and she is uh, worth Googling. April O'Neil. <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, well, um, I'm into Squirters at the minute, so... <laughs> <laughs> Squirter? Isn't that Pokemon? <laughs> Squirtle, I think. Yeah, yeah. Squirtle. <laughs> How do you get into squirters? Well, you know, you just try something a bit different, I guess. So um, I went out with a. Oh God, where am I going with this? Anyway, um, fuck it. I uh, yeah I went went out with a girl once, and um, this is before the obviously you know internet porn became massive uh, as it is, and I. Didn't know at the time that that's is that's what she was doing, and I just I thought, oh, this is kind of cool though. You know, obviously it's it's the, 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 it's eliciting the the what I'm doing was eliciting the reaction. You know, she seemed to be enjoying it. Uh, I just noticed that the bed was getting a bit soggy and thinking, yeah. well, what the fuck's going on here? But it's kind of good. You know, obviously she's enjoying herself and and I'm kind of enjoying myself. Um, and then it was only until that 
my uh, my face started to get a bit sort of rashy because of how wet it was. <laughs> what? Oh, no. I thought, what the fucking hell? Maybe I shouldn't spend so much time down there. It's yeah. not a good idea, really, is it? So, Did you go in next time with, like, snorkel and goggles and stuff? She <laughs> must have been gushing like fuck on you. But I'll tell you what, the thing is as well, I was watching a video earlier and thinking to myself, they've either got to fucking strip that mattress down or... It's just so messy. You know what I mean? I mean, it's cool to watch, but what the fuck? You know, you've got to have, like, plastic sheets down. It's like when you, you know, you sort of, like, take the, the nappy off bedtime for your kids and stuff and they piss the bed. You think, fuck me. You know, there's so much of it. Where does it all come from? It's, it's amazing. It, 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 with women, like, when they just fucking shoot it out, like, it's men. Because <laughs> I've had the conversation, like, is it piss? What the fuck is it like? Because we've got piss and ejaculate, and we're just cut and dried. They've got piss, other weird discharge, this <laughs> fucking gushing shit that comes out of them. Is it safe? To, is it edible? Where, where does it go? I, I, is it piss? Well, I've seen people drinking it. I don't know if it's safe, but I've oh, seen fuck. them... That shit. Does it smell? Like I mean, it's happened what, twice. It's two different girls before, but it's not a common thing. I don't think it's an in thing at the moment. I don't think no. it's a trending thing for girls to do. I think they just need to fucking relax and let it happen. Because I can imagine a lot of women hold it in, not wanting to like throw it out everywhere, thinking, "Oh God, he's going to think I've pissed." Yeah. See. Just, just fucking let it go. Because if I piss, I've never pissed in a woman, but I've, I've needed a wee. Like when I've been shagging before, and I'm—I'll just say it straight. I've, I need to piss. I gotta go because you don't want to piss when you think you're gonna come because that's all fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, and, and just funnily enough, whilst we we're on the subject, I was uh, looking up that because I couldn't remember all the names, but I was looking at the sort of songs that Prince had done. So here we go. One of the songs on on the album I've got—it's uh, called "Soft and Wet." Yes. Um, where are we? There was... Um, I want to be your lover. That's fair enough. Head. Yeah. Do Head. me baby. Mm. Um, uh, what is it? Get off. Cream. I love get off. Oh, I love... Yeah, and cream. Fucking love it. Sexy motherfucker, obviously. Um, horny toad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> feel you up. Uh, <laughs> I love you in me. Ero <laughs> erotic city. Uh, irresistible bitch, and possibly the best of the lot, Scarlet Pussy. Oh, oh yes, you can't beat Prince, can you? I mean, he, a genius, but fuck me, he loved his women as well, didn't he? He was a horny little bugger, oh, wasn't yeah. he? He was a horny little bugger. Oh, poor Prince. Yeah, and I know people might take the piss, but I fucking loved the Batman soundtrack, and I've said this many times before. And I just because I was at that age, Batman was just yeah. coming out, and it was amazing. And I listened to that. Constantly, and I always pictured that some of the songs, because they they had like the um, sort of in the background a lot of the uh, dialogue of the movie, you know, yes. playing. And I always sort of pictured like obviously the songs in the movie and everything else, you know, Party Man, fuck me, ah, oh, love it all. But yeah, it's just anyway, I just thought I'd fill that in. But yeah, um, Forty Days, Forty Nights, bollocks. Um, if you want to watch a better, more erotic, more sexy film that is semi-guaranteed guaranteed in my case to get your leg over then I'll talk about that one later on oof mm -hmm. squirting guaranteed <laughs> <laughs> satisfaction and oof. possible squirting guaranteed I'm in I am in <laughs>
<laughs> and a bit uh, of spanking. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll mention I'll mention a doc, this documentary very oh, briefly. Oh, Dave, you and your fucking documentary. Oh, here he goes yeah, now. Well, I've no. just been talking about squirting. Fuck well, I'm, me. I'm keeping it on porn. I'm keeping it on porn. And this will be oh. quick because, Chris, you've got this to review, mate. Have I? Yeah. You've got Respectable, the Mary Millington story. Oh, Written yes. and directed by previous guest on the show, Simon Sheridan. Yes, mm. looking forward um, to watching this. All I'm going to say, I'm going to tease it to you by saying, there is erect penis in it even. Oh, even better. Even better. Oh. And I wasn't that aware, cause, you know, you say Mary Millington, and I remember at the time seeing the posters that were everywhere. Um, Come play with me was the big thing that she was in. Uh, but I wasn't that aware of all the hardcore stuff that she'd done. Which leads you down an internet rabbit hole of finding Mary Millington hardcore stuff. Um, but yeah, I've done that to be fair. After after you did your interview with Simon Sheridan, I hadn't heard of Mary Millington at that point, so I instantly started looking up pictures of Mary Millington. Fucking hell, she was fit as well, wasn't oh, she? Oh yeah, too right. And so, it's quite a tragic story from what very. I've... Oh yeah, and it shows you know the seventies were a totally different time as well. Um, you'll find out some stuff because she owned a sex um, sex shop in London. I think it was near. Was it? Oh, near Arsenal's ground, I think, if I remember rightly. Uh, and she was hounded by the cops. But, you know, you think today on porn, it's just, you know, it's on your phone at a click. Um, but back then, you know, you had to go to the shop. Um, uh, yeah, I'm going to say no more. I, I want to I hear what you've got to say about it next month. She okay. sounds like somebody that would be on the Bake Off or something. <laughs> Mary, Mary fucking it's Millington. Mary. yeah. See, now this is before my time, but I've just Googled her, and she was only four foot eleven, so she's technically a dwarf. <laughs> <laughs> so she's a midget porn star. Yeah, she was, she was big in her day. <gasps> oh, was... God. Have you... Oh, that's tragic. Okay. Oh, this is interesting. It's good. Yeah, it's good. Um, but I'll leave it there. I don't want to spoil it for oh, you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. I've um, just been reading. Yeah. One documentary that I do want to make you both aware of. Again, 80 minutes. Um, Banksy does New York. Oh, no, no, not heard of this one. Have you seen that porn film? No. <laughs> he does the entire of New York. All of them. Um, you probably have seen Exit Through the Gift Shop. Yes. Yeah, great documentary. Uh, this, this is even better, because it's um, Banksy goes to New York, obviously, um, in October, and he does a month's re residency there. So every day... He does this uh, installation, but nobody knows, obviously, where it's going to be. So it's a hunt. So that, like the 1st of October, they know it's going to happen. Where is it? Where's this Banksy piece? They find it. Everybody goes and takes pictures of it. What's going to happen on the next day? What's it going to be? Where's it going to be? And, of course, the public, uh, the excitement for it builds up and builds up day by day by day till it gets to the point where there's people, if it's just a painting that's on a wall... You'll get fuckers that'll go, and they'll, they, if they find it first, and you get these other graffiti artists who are so pissed off because Banks is famous and they're not, that they will tag over it. You know, they'll get the, the uh, spray can and put their tag all over it and spoil it before anybody else can find it, you know, Banks's work. And it increases again, like I said, with the footman. 
it all boils down to greed because some of the the uh, installations that he puts in are like sculptures that he's put together you know the proper pieces 3d pieces so people are just nicking them and selling them and going i'm having this which causes big furore and fights on the streets and everything um but it's good i mean every piece that banksy does is genius and some of the stuff that the uh the installations he puts in here are just it's worth watching the documentary just to see them but on the side of it you've got this whole human story of how people get more and more greedy as each day goes on and tries to fuck up each installation but it's good mm. Mm. Even, even if you don't you know you've not much interest in banksy it's it's still well worth watching so just to go back to mary millington um, I, You've been I, clicking on Google, haven't you? <laughs> I'm in a bit of a porn kick at the minute. Um, no, I was just looking at the cast. Um, Dexter Fletcher narrates it, but, which is cool. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll look forward to watching that. But also, a name, a blast from the past, a name which I haven't thought about for years, as a name that kind of I was familiar with, with a, from a, a kid. Uh, Lindsay Drew. Yes. Now... I vaguely remembered that, and I thought, I know that name. And I started, yes, yeah, you know, from sort of like, you know, porno mags that we'd find on the side of the road, you know, that the uh, the, the truck drivers had wanked all over and we thought were amazing, <laughs> you know. Ex-wife <laughs> of? Um, Bendover? Yes, ex-wife of Bendover. Wow. Bendover. Yeah. Mother Mary. of Tiger Drew Honey. Yes. Or Honey Drew, whatever his name is. Just looking at that for, from Outnumbered, which I don't watch or haven't watched, but... You know, I'm aware of it. Um, fuck me, bend over. I see. I remember him from uh, the old Television X days when you get the ten minute free view, and oh. then it's sort of like you know, you'd see how many times you could crack one off in the ten minutes. <laughs> him, it was normally him and his mate Pascal filming. Yeah, his mate. yeah. <laughs> you said that I, very I, confidently there, Ramrod. Oh yeah, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a little segue there for Pascal. Oh, go on. Because uh, I know. Um, a person, um, persons, uh, from our local town of Wrexham who are quite well-known porn stars, um, and she got into working through Pascal, or Pascal through her, um, and they got together, got married, and had a kid, but she was called Donna Derriere. Mm-hmm. He was called Damien Duke. They're both from Wrexham area, and it's so bizarre because you see them around town all the time, pushing the push chair, just a normal couple with the baby, knowing that you can Google them and see all sorts of horrors on the fucking internet, <laughs> and her banging Pascal is one of them. No, I'm not Googling now, honestly, ever. Honest no, to God, no. mate, Donna Derriere, unfortunately, and I know she'll probably never listen to this, but she's not the best-looking girl. He was a bit studly, long... Uh, like permed blonde hair but he made a lot of um homosexual pornography even though he's straight made a fuck lot of money but you do see him getting banged up the bum a lot (laughs) and he married a girl called donna derriere i mean one of the odds in that wow yeah but yeah you can walk around wrexham town center and if you're with me on a day i go oh yeah there they are and it's so weird because you can just google them and see an entire back catalog of porn stardom <laughs> They're just people like us. Yeah. They're just people like us. That Welcome like to the porn episode. Like dicks up their ass. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> just uh, one of the uh, the Google links. I'm not going to click on it. Uh, it's entitled uh, UK Gangbang and Bukake Party with Donna Derriere. There she uh, is. Gorgeous Welsh porn star Donna Derriere asked, asked us to hold a gangbang and Bukake Party for her. Sure, we said. So check out <laughs> the sexy video. <laughs> God. She's always doing that. Oh. She's always inviting people around for a bukkake party. It's all in a day's mind. work, isn't it? Oh, well, it used to be. I think she had a prolapsed anus and it all oh. drank up after that. <laughs> there was a documentary on, speaking of documentaries, good link there. Oh, nice. That Channel 4 did a while ago about, um, you know, being in the industry and sort of the grittier side. There's been a couple of crackers on this. I know, Dave, you've watched that one with that guy in the wheelchair, the Goblin King. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that one? I There's do. some real horrible documentaries about the horrors of working in porn. But this one was about the aftermath of it. And I remember him interviewing her on it about her prolapsed anus and how life was a struggle after that. And I was like, oh, my God, how hard do you need to be rimmed for that? <laughs> That's a it, smash. There was um, Louis Theroux did some documentaries about that. You know, went to America and you know interviewing porn stars. And there was one guy, uh, I recognise him, but I can't tell you his name. Uh, and he, you know, like looked after himself, as you you know, as you imagine, like a lot of the male porn stars do. But he he's probably in his like mid forties. Um, and you know, Louis was talking about his sex life, and he says, you know. It's like a job for him, but he kind of hates it. Uh, you know, he can't have normal relationships with women because uh, was, of... he was the guy who had the ranch, wasn't he? That's him. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. he was really sad, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. I felt for him. But then at the same time, I thought, you know, because they showed clips of him banging these like gorgeous women at the same time, thinking, what the fucking hell's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Weren't they injecting yeah, th- the cocks and stuff to, you know, stay hard as well? It was pretty bad. I remember that one part of the conversation where he, he, and then it flashes back to him on set and he's just smashed this really hot young girl. And, you know, the, you know he's had her in every way you could have a woman. And then he's like, do you want to go for a drink after? And she says, no. And it's like, what? You just fucked up the ass and you want to go for a beer with him. I could kind of see like like how he wants to have like this emotional connection with a woman because he's that. But, you know, saying it from our point of view, you know, we haven't got the experience of going to work, you know, inverted commas, where, you know, you have to have sex with some 19-year-old girl you've never met before. I can't imagine it being that difficult because I know I could do that if I was single, Zoe, obviously, and I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in love with you and everything's lovely. But if that was your job, you would do that. Then you go and go to the gym, have a beer, go and watch a horror movie, and your life would be all right because, you know, tomorrow or maybe two days later, you get to do that again. Yeah. So do you really need that emotional attachment? Probably, yeah, at some point in your life you're going to, aren't you? But, nah, fucking not every day. Mm. It's I'm not like Boogie Nights is a, a cracking film to sort of I give you a bit of an insight into yeah that you know and um, it's, it's not all sort of like uh, roses and you know blowjobs I guess um, but it's yeah and it's I've always thought that I thought I could do that fucking job I could do it no problem you know mm. they will say oh you get worried about um, have, you know getting a stiffy fuck me I have, I go on a bus I, go, I just you know I'm walking down the street I get a fucking <laughs> stiffy you know. <laughs> Oh, it wouldn't bother me at all. The only problem, thing I'd stress about was fucking shooting too soon. You know. That... 
Sorry. Maybe we should do like a special, like like a video thing where we go into the world of porn and uh, like those guys did on that documentary. I wish I could know the name of it, the Channel 4 one, where the three porn fans, one guy, one was a young lad who thought he was very sexually confident. One oh, was an older God, guy yeah. porn obsessed. Yeah. And one was a gay lad who wanted to meet his this this big gay porn star. And they all get taken on this journey where they get, like first person experience of what each specific thing they love is like and at the end of it they're all like broken men aren't they, they are, yeah. they're all like fucking like upset about <laughs> this, the fact that they enjoy porn and they, they go to that it ruined fuck, porn for them it did it ruined them because they go to that one guy that dude, Dan or whatever his name was and he's got this guy in a wheelchair Chris no shit in an, an electric wheelchair they call him the goblin king right? oh, God. Just, I know and he, he comes like the hills of eyes around the corner and he's the guy that films the porn shoots and they watch like a, a, a porn shoot and after they've finished shagging on this couch do you remember what he did Dave <laughs> he's got a rag on a stick the Goblin King because he's wheelchair bound and he's just kind of mopping up this couch with a rag on a no. stick <laughs> and then like he's there like filming these girls and he's like all ratty in Hills of Eyes and then like after they get like fans in in one bit don't they to shag yeah. porn stars and they've like won the competition to shag the porn stars so they all shag the porn stars and that's what the porn stars have been paid to do but after that's finished the director and the producer are all them they all shag them as well which isn't like in their job description surely that's like them forcing it on him and it was really horrible to watch because this one girl starts crying in the middle of it because she's just knackered she's had enough but this guy's like no i'm the boss i uh, this is my company i'm gonna shag you and it's like fuck me you know that's somebody's daughter man yeah you know there's a line you gotta draw with this shit but yeah there's some real fucking horror out there isn't there with porno oh god why have i made it depressing now I know it started off all sort of like, you know, uh, squirting. Squirting, yeah. yeah. All jovial. Like non consensual yeah. sex. Yeah. Welcome to, <laughs> welcome to 60 Minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the, the gang is back, well and truly. Yeah, good lord. Whose go was it next? Um, you, mate. Okay, I'm go- I'll lighten the mood a bit now. I'm going to steer us away from the world of hardcore pornography and gushing to the lovely, lovely world of John Favreau's The Jungle Book. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a bit of a departure from what we've been talking about, but I think it's time to cleanse our palates um, with a lovely, 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 brilliant film. I must say this. I watched it in IMAX 3D. Now, I know we've got our fans and non-fans of 3D in the room, but this film worked, and fucking hell it worked. Bear in mind, these are photorealistic animals which are portraying our beloved Disney characters such as um, Bagheera and Baloo and Shere Khan and... I was totally taken away to another world with this movie. Kind of like I felt when I watched Jurassic World, where you're looking at fantastic creatures that don't exist, and you're in a world that doesn't exist, but you're immersed into it as if it's really happening. Jungle Book did that with me. He's absolutely nailed it with this movie. And I, I was, wasn't thinking it was going to be some masterpiece when I went into it, but because Jon Favreau was behind it, I had a lot of faith in him because he is a very accomplished director and he's got that sort of great 
style with doing kids films because the third was brilliant iron man's brilliant um and this was it was just awesome totally awesome um the little lad who plays mowgli in it it's like one of those movies introducing this kid i can't remember his name but he's he's ace in it he's very he's very quick-witted um, kind of like he is in a Disney movie. He looks exactly the same. He's got the little red pants on and the bull haircut and all that. He looks spot on. Uh, but the jungle, like we know it in the Disney movie, isn't this brightly coloured, lovely place. It's a real fucking living, breathing thing. These animals are real. Shere Khan is this real battle-scarred, huge Bengal tiger. And Idris Elba does his voice in it. So sinister. Um, I was a bit concerned for some of the younger kids in the audience in some of the scenes because the way they use the 3D, you know how CGI stuff looks a hell of a lot better in 3D, doesn't it? Because it really pops out of the screen. Um, the way this he's done this tiger jump in and it, it looks real. It looks like something David Attenborough's shot, you know, and it was so amazingly made. Um, the snake in it, cow something. I can't remember the name of the snake. I haven't watched it in so long, the young film. Sheer Khan? No, that's a tiger. That's a tiger. Uh, uh, oh. The snake. Sheer well, Scal- Khan, Baloo. Car, is it? Car, there you go. So Scarlett Hansen does the voice for this. Now, I'm... I was worried for this little lad next to me at this point because like in the original Disney movie, they've kind of recreated it, but they haven't put all the songs in it. There are songs in it, but they're better placed. It's not like a sing-along all the way through. It's more of a an adventure movie with a couple of punctuated bits of the soundtrack um this i remember the song the trust in me song where she's trying to hypnotize mowgli mm, before she eats him yeah. you've got to imagine that was a little you know a cartoon from the fucking 60s or wherever it was made maybe before that this is a photorealistic anaconda um <laughs> and even i was having a hard time with this now in imax 3d you've got to remember this motherfucker was coming out of the screen and as she's coiled mowgli up she opens her mouth like a real snake would. You know, fucking horrible image to expose kids to. Because <laughs> she's going to swallow Mowgli. And she is coming out of the screen. It was, And this kid next to me was like putting the shades up with his hand. Like, I don't know, fucking can't deal with this shit right now. <laughs> it, it was like, I put a warning on it like Jaws had. Do you remember when Jaws was a PG? But it yeah. had the warning on it. This was as disturbing as that because there was, you know, there was a lot of, there was killing in it. You know, Shere Khan does fuck a lot of shit up in this and it looks real. Um, but then lovely Baloo turns up halfway through the movie, voiced by Bill Murray. And he's in a lovely part of the jungle where it's all pastel colours and well lit. And he, he plays it like he's a bit of a stoner and he just like exploits Mowgli to get him his honey. It's fucking magnificent. I mean, the characters in it, uh, King Louie turns up in it and has a song and a dance. Um, and it's Christopher Wonken who's doing his voice. Perfectly cast, beautifully shot. It looks incredible. And it was an absolute treat to see it in IMAX because I think it was made for that really really was and at the end of the movie i was like oh fuck i've got to go back to my life now i want to stay in the jungle with these (laughs) like happy colorful creatures you know it was brilliant totally awesome 
family entertainment and I defy anybody with like kids or no kids or like cinephiles or non-cinephiles could watch The Jungle Book and have like a Jurassic Park experience with it where it's just so rich and so well made he's absolutely nailed it on I think it's done very very well in the cinema and it deserved it as well but be warned little kids may have poo in their pants at some because <laughs> <laughs> this kid next to me was having a right fucking hard time one kid had to go after the first 20 minutes minutes because Shere Khan was mortifyingly menacing and he does murder somebody by throwing them off a rock oh, yeah you know it was it, it there was no fucking around in it these animals looked real and they were big you know and Mowgli like Baloo was fucking massive even Baloo was I was having a hard time with him he was that big but um, it was excellent. It was a brilliant, brilliant family movie. There was no squirting. There was no prolapses. <laughs> Nobody got their arms macheted in it. It was just lovely. It was it was great. So highly recommended the Jungle Book against all the odds as well. It shouldn't really have worked, but it did. Yeah, that's wicked. Yeah. Um, I know Mark Kermode. I think he likes this quite a lot. Um, you know. So and he's bit of a grumpy bastard when it comes to stuff you know but yeah so yeah cool um just a quick shout out because um a lot of people over this side of the pond wouldn't have known who he is i guess but uh gary shandlin passed away in uh, march another one of the deaths from 2016 oh. it's just like the horrible uh i always remember him from the larry sanders show that was always used to be on bbc2 late at night and that was hilarious you know that was that was absolutely superb and he's a the voice of one of the characters, um, just looking at here. Um, not sure you pronounce it, Icky or Ikey, is Porcupine. Yeah, there's a couple of little like Timon and Pumbaa roles that are thrown out there. Funnily enough, if we just go in there, uh, he he died just like literally like a couple of days before I saw it or a week before I saw it, which is quite weird. Um, but I remember his name popping up in the credits at the end. And there's a great post credit scene where they go through Rudyard Kipling's book and it's all in 3D. Um, and I said, oh, my God, Gary Shandlin, he died. Yeah. But yeah, that was odd <laughs> seeing his name pop up. Yeah, because I thought, but Sam Raimi does a voice in it as well, which was odd. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I was looking at the credits at the end and all the little incidental animals that turn up with tiny little roles. I was like, fucking Sam Raimi did a voice. Wow, weird. They throw all sorts in there. Oh, yeah. He's a giant squirrel, apparently. Oh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> I wouldn't have noticed, because I don't know what he really sounds like that well, but Sam Raimi's in it, too. They yeah, have a bit of horror geek in for you. Mmm, <laughs> nice one. Shall I go next? Yeah, go on. So... The third night of our film sort of week, we uh, watched my pick this time round. Uh, it was a choice between Argo and the film that I'd, we eventually ended up watching. I couldn't make my mind up because I fancied watching both. Oh. So we just put, you know, K put them behind the back and we picked one. And we ended up watching Million Dollar Baby. From oh, I, hope, I hope you brought the Kleenex, mate. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Why, I wasn't wanking. I'm not for a wank. <laughs> Uh, have you? Have you? I take Dave. You must have seen this. Oh uh, hell yeah, Clint Eastwood, of course. Massive Clint Eastwood. Uh, you, Ramrod, you've seen it then. I take. Oh, it I think then. it's a fucking masterpiece. So I'd not seen this before. Uh, obviously, because of getting into boxing and kickboxing and everything else, I thought you know I'm interested to see this story. You know, uh, and Clint Eastwood. Um, I think the last film I watched of his was Gran Torino. I went to that at the cinema. Um, and the cast is, you know, I knew it had won Oscars. I knew about Hilary Swank, uh, you know, being in it. I, I can't take her surname seriously, but still, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, uh, 
uh, what's his, Anthony Mackie turns up in it, um, who's Falcon, obviously in the uh, the Marvel universe these days, uh, and M- Morgan Freeman. And now is this the first time that they've been reunited, Eastwood and Freeman, since uh, Unforgiven? Or am I right in saying that? Or yeah, it will be. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Um, so yeah. I mean, it's it's two and a half hours. It's about this this young woman who comes to a gym Clint Eastwood is a trainer um, and uh, she wants him to train her but he only trains guys the, the, the guy he's currently got you know, wants a, ch- a shot at the championship the title and uh, he, he's not sure if he's ready he ends up leaving to go off and be managed by somebody else and Reluctantly, Eastwood takes on Swank, who her backstory is, I mean, she admits it, you know, she's trailer trash, you know, she knows she works in a diner, she works for pennies, and she saves a pool of money, and she's won a few fights, you know, amateur fights, and he, he takes her on and trains her, and they develop this relationship. Um, he's not close to his uh, his own daughter, so they do develop this father-daughter almost relationship, and yeah it it's it, it's fucking it's awesome it really is it's incredible um the performances in it are amazing um the only thing and this is me and uh, you can call me a twat for saying it that i found perhaps a little bit distracting is that morgan freeman does the voiceover now whenever morgan freeman talks he's got such a distinctive voice anyway but i instantly think about the shawshank redemption because that's just that's Morgan Freeman, you know, um, and he's sort of epitomised by that movie, and and he will always forever be um, read in the Shawshank Redemption, and and him doing the voiceover for that, then he obviously does the voiceover for this. It just distracted me a little bit, and that's just the only quibble I'd got. But he's got an amazing voice. What the fuck are you going to do? It's Morgan Freeman at the end of the day. But I just wanted to sort of, I suppose, celebrate Clint Eastwood a little bit. Dodgy politics aside, the guy's eighty-five years old. And he still makes fucking amazing movies. And uh, his career is incredible. He's just an icon of cinema. Um, you know, looking at his directing credits, uh, he's just made some amazing films. You know, uh, I haven't seen, I must admit, American Sniper, but I do remember you talking about that um, when we first started doing these shows, Ramrod. Um, and Gran Torino. He does tend to play these days. I mean, this film is a little bit old now. It's 2004, I think. You know, he's... Um, a grumpy bastard, let's put it, you know. That's the kind of, like, Grant Torino, he's amazing in that, you know, get off my lawn kind of thing. Um, and he, he's fantastic in this. One of his best performances, the, the emotion between him, the bond between him and um, Maggie uh, is, is amazing. Um, and you're right in saying it, it's a fucking emotional film. It really is. goes from such highs to incredible sort of, you know, dramatic performances. Um and yeah, I loved it. I thought it was it was amazing. Um, I, I, I always think of Eastwood as well. Going back to 1990, uh, in the uh, the rookie with Charlie Sheen, uh, getting <laughs> getting raped by uh, <laughs> tied to a chair and raped, uh, you know, and tortured. <laughs> I bet he hated that. Um, what's her name? Sonia Braga. Fuck me. And Raul Julia. Bless him. Um, but yeah, awesome. Really is. And I, I just at heart. Break Ridge. Um, I love that film, and I know it's got its critics, but I just I think that's a fantastic movie. You know, obviously fucking Dirty Harry and everything else, but I just think sometimes that maybe Eastwood's films go under the radar a little bit. Um, he's not as it's. I, I think I heard a Kermode review, and he was reviewing one of the films. I can't remember exactly which one, but it's like he does it so well. It's almost like 
people take it for granted a little bit. You know, people sort of forget that it's just it's just it's almost like it's expected when you see an, an Eastwood movie. It's you expect it to be good, so you kind of you almost take it for granted a little bit. Um, yeah, it was it was amazing. I thought it was fantastic, well worth watching, and um, you know, obviously. Um, the performances are great. Swank is great. You know, her body just she she be, you know becomes a fucking um, weapon. You know, her body does it. It's just it's amazing. Um, yeah, great film. You well can't worth. go wrong, can you? With Clint Eastwood, it's like my dad brought me up watching Clint Eastwood movies. I own every one, like on DVD, and I've watched like every one of his movies so many times. And he he is in a word that's banded around all too often. He is a cinematic legend, isn't he? You know. And he's got that screen presence that I could just watch him literally. Or here's here's two hours of Clint Eastwood sitting in a chair, and you'd be riveted. He's got that presence to him. It's you've either got it or, or you haven't. Remember at um, Hard Rock, Chris, and we were sat there, and that guy walked in who ended up he was the bass player for Joel Turner, but we didn't know at the time. Yeah, and yeah. we said, didn't we? Because you'd got people coming in and out of that room and you didn't know if they were press or band or fans. And everyone was sort of dressed similar. You know, it's a fucking rock gig, for God's sake. But when he walked in, he'd got... There was a presence about him, wasn't there? That you knew he was... He had to be in a band. And there's people on... When you see them on the screen, have got that sort of screen presence. He's definitely one of them. Yeah, he is. He's just amazing. I remember growing up watching his films, uh, and like you said, whenever he's on the TV, I always end up inevitably just watching it. So I'm really pleased that I, I watched this. And American Sniper, I, I will watch that at some point later on this year. But um, yeah, I always mention Heartbreak Ridge because again, I think that's one of his sort of like overlooked films. I don't think mm-hmm. it's many people have perhaps seen it, but he's great. You know. Um, Sergeant Gunnery Thomas Highway, you know, you know, yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and uh, you know, he's all gruff and he's just, he's got Mario Van Peebles, and you know, it's it's a great film that is. I love that. Oh yeah. So yeah, Million Dollar Baby, emotional. What did you think of it, Ramrod? Then is oh, he... I I loved it. I mean, the first time I saw it, it's it's obviously the tragic ending, um, but I, I I agree with what you say about Eastwood because people do kind of take him for granted. It's like when Spielberg does a film, you're like, oh, it's Spielberg, it'll be good. But, it, you know, like films like Munich, nobody would ever talk about that with in terms of Spielberg. And with Clint Eastwood, people all just go, Dirty Harry, um, they'll, they'll say Unforgiven if they really know their cinema. And then, you know... Gran Torino, stuff like that. But films like Play Misty for Me and um, like Million Dollar Baby, Escape from Alcatraz, um, Thunderbolt and Lightfoot. He's done so many amazing films over his career that when he does a new one now, people just take it as. But the, the layers of emotion that he can put into a movie and not just for his performance, but what he gets out of his actors mm. is what's brilliant because he's a great actor but he's learned from the best he was in the great movies by the great directors like leone and um uh, the the guy who made it harry dave come on what's his name the director don siegel don siegel and he always quotes him as 
like the greatest director he ever worked with and all this and taught him so much. And he, like you can tell Eastwood is just so generous in giving these people the time to mm -hmm. emote, which you don't really get in a lot of films these days. You know, people have, this is one of the things I had with Creed. Um, although I loved it, I didn't think, I know it wasn't Stallone that made it. I think if maybe Stallone had directed it, it might have had that extra 20 minutes of crying I wanted from it. But Eastwood gives you that. He lets all the emotion come out. He's not trying to get bums on seats with his movies. Yeah. Like, he really isn't. American Sniper is a fucking hard, you know, snapshot of... It was almost like Oliver Stone did that George Bush movie, didn't he? And people wouldn't watch it because they think it's about George Bush, but it doesn't paint him in a good light. You know, it, it, he, d he does the stories, Clint Eastwood, that need that need to be seen by people. I think Million Dollar Baby is, like, right up there with Unforgiven as probably, like, one of his best movies. Mm. It's like going back to the 70s, you know, and he, I love Kelly's Heroes. I just, I'll watch that. Whenever it's on, I just always put it on. It's got such a great ensemble cast, mm. you know, and, but then, you know, you go from doing that in 1970 to then doing The Beguiled in 1971, where, <laughs> you know... I, I remember when I watched that as a kid, because I was a big Eastwood fan when I was a kid, um, thinking I didn't like the film because of the character he played. But mm. looking back at it now, he's fucking awesome in it because he's a right shitbag. Yeah. Um, abiding memory of that film is when he kills a tortoise. And he just, you know, she, I think one of the girls has got like a pet tortoise and she, he slams it into the floor because he's pissed off, you know, because he's, he's like a soldier, isn't he? Is he a Confederate soldier or he's yeah. a wounded soldier, basically? And this this group of you know young women and girls take him in and you know he he's he, they all t t take pity on him and then he end, ends up just being a complete utter bastard uh, but like you said he, he's he made those films then he'll make sort of like the bigger blockbusters you know and it, it will make you know again it's going back to the 80s where everything everybody did some weird shit in the 80s you know when he'll he'll act like with Clyde you know and he, he'll make yeah. a, like I love but I love those films you know even after I found out apparently they treated um is it, it's the ape isn't it like it's yeah quite badly from what I understand what did but they do to him I think they just beat him I think uh, I'm not sure what I'm saying Clint Eastwood did but I think he was handle quite badly you know, they would have fucking abused a monkey <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't have done that now put it although they would have treated an animal like that now from what i understand but yeah he's beaten quite badly um but yeah i mean <laughs> it, <hell. laughs> i didn't know that happened yeah what yeah um but every which way but loose i fucking love that um such a a funny film, you know, it, just, again, always watchable just for the stupid fucking Hells Angels gang and him having, you know, uh, tear-ups with people and, you know, um, having fights and, you know, uh, was it Sandra Locke he's, who he was married yeah. to as well? Yeah. You know, um, they had a bit of a messy divorce, I think. But, yeah, it, just an icon, like you said. A Million Dollar Baby is, is awesome, really is, yeah. Yeah. And we mentioned, haven't we, uh, 2016's like, really shit for celebrity deaths. I just like you know when Clint his time comes I'm going to be gutted. I'll be like yeah. it's one of those that would hit me. I think the last celebrity death that sort of affected me the most was Rick Mayall because it was such a part of me growing up. Um, it's the same with Clint, you know, because I grew up watching his movies and you know always went to the cinema with my dad every time a Clint movie come out. So, but yeah, like you said, he's still still keeping busy at 85. Well, he's 86 soon, isn't he? Mm. Mm. Well, I've got a treat. Well, he's hanging in there, isn't he? 
I've got a treat for both of you. And he's still making movies. I mean, no, if he he's that... directing. He's like, he, I think he said, hasn't he, that he's not going to step in front of the camera again. He's in Good Nick as well. I mean, in Million Dollar Baby. I, I know it's like ten years old, but or well, twelve years. But he uh, he's he still works out by the looks of it. You know, he mm. still looks in good condition. Yeah. Hmm. Right. Are you both ready for this? Okay. Oh, I've saved the best documentary for the last one. Right. Because watching this, I have found a new hero, or to be more precise, a new heroine. Oh. Mm. Um. What might stop people watching this, and it's a pain in the arse, is because it's subtitled. It's it's Romanian, right? So if you're listening to this and you go, oh, I'm not watching that because it's got subtitles, you're missing out on a classic with this. My new heroine is Irina Nistor, who I could pretty much bank everything I own, neither of you have ever heard of. Is she a square? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she is. <laughs> <laughs> if she isn't, you're not interested now. <laughs> Irina Nistor. Yeah, the documentary last year's is called Chuck Norris versus Communism. Ooh, oh my God! Right, so this is absolutely amazing, and Ramrod, Chris, it's right up our street because it goes back to um, 1980s Romania, communist government. The people are told what they're going to watch. They're told what they're going to eat. You know, it's proper shit place to, place to live. They've got three TV channels. And everything is censored so heavily. And they show clips. They like recreate part of um, where the, the, the previewing stuff that is going to be shown on the TV over there. And they go, right, we can't show that. We can't show that. They're butchering everything. So, we're in the 80s, VHS appears, doesn't it? This whole black market appears of smuggling in VHS movies, <laughs> mostly American <laughs> movies, into Romania. Now, they're literally, you know, they're, they're, they're playing with their lives, because if you get caught with this, you know, you, you're in deep trouble. But it tells the story of this one guy. It's a true story. What they do is they, they've got a load of talking heads. They get these Romanian people... Um, Obviously, you know, they were there in the 80s and they recount all these stories of what happens. And then they do reconstructions of it and you're watching it happening as it goes along. This Irene Nistor, she voiced over all of these American movies. So they they get the movies in. She would go into this uh, little house and hidden away somewhere. Uh, and she would do the voiceover for every single character. Mm -hmm. She voiced the whole movie. But it was incredible because you've got these uh, these Romanian people. She was the voice of freedom to an entire generation. They were watching these movies. They were even, I mean, they loved, you know, they show clips from Chuck Norris movies and Rambo films and all of these. But they're showing stuff even when people um, are in a market, a food market in America, and they're going... They're, it's quite heartbreaking, really, because they're explaining uh, what it was like to see so much food on the shelves because they've got nothing there at all. You know, stuff we take for granted. Mm. <laughs> you'll just go out and you'll, and you'll oh, I'll just buy some chocolate or a sandwich or anything. They couldn't do that. Um, 
and they were so blinkered in what they could watch. So it was all kept underground, and they'd literally, right, you couldn't buy VHS players, you had to get, you had to go, they'd cross the border, and they'd smuggle in a VHS player. So the, in Romania, and it's all these big, grey, concrete uh, stacks of, you know, apartments, really pokey little places, very stark, somebody in one of the big blocks would get a VHS player. Word would go around, and they'd go, okay, there's going to be a film night tonight, right? And they'd, like, pay... Well, I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly how much they paid. It wasn't a lot. But they'd make money. They'd go, OK, we'll charge, like, 50p, whatever it is, to come and watch this. And you get 30 people crammed into somebody's living room, all gathered around this old CRT TV, watching, like, this fourth or fifth generation VHS copy that Irene and Nistor has voiced over. And they would be locked into it because, and if they were caught, and it says, and they do a reconstruction of when the police burst in, when all these people are watching one of these films and what happens afterwards. It is so fascinating knowing, because we've talked about, you know, our love of VHS and back in the day, and you know what we used to love watching, how different these people's lives were back then over in Romania, and how watching these movies gave them that little bit of hope. Um, and then, like, uh, because they're doing all the reconstructions, the proper characters come in. Like, you, you, you see Irene and Nistor at the end, and she gives her story. You see the guy um, who employed her and was copying. He, he made an absolute fortune because he'd got the mark, he'd got the government, he'd got the police in his pocket, he'd got the border control in his pocket at the end of it. He'd just be paying them off. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. Um, and because, you know, we love VHS and all that as well, it's, I would say, it's essential viewing. Another 80-minute documentary again. So, yeah, Chuck Norris versus communism. Get it watched. Mm, what are you watching these? Where do you get them yeah. from? Um, this one was Netflix, if I remember right. Ah, okay. Yeah, because you've still got it, haven't you? You're, uh... Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's... That sounds fascinating. It, it is really yeah, it good. Very cool. It yeah. is very, very good. Like I say, it could put people off because it's subtitled, but, you know... That's never bothered me. No. I'd say this is a weird thing, I guess, but it's something I've always done since I was a kid, and I still do it, and it drives Kay mad. Whether it's a foreign film or not, I always watch the film with subtitles on. I don't know why. I just, I just don't know why. I find that I pay more attention to it because I'm actually reading the what's going on as well. It's so weird. I don't know why I do it. <laughs> I find it odd watching a film without subtitles now because I just, I suppose I'm so used to it, you know. Yeah, you would be if that's, you know, what you're used to. Like every film, like Star Wars. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I haven't seen that, like, you know, the new one at home yet. But, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd put the subtitles on. I don't know why. I just don't. Oh, you fucking do my nut in this room. <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to go in another room. That's why um, I know that, you know, when we did the Hellraiser 3 show, that she said Shenard. It was actually spelt Shenard on, the, actual, on yeah. the subtitles. So weird. I just, I always do it. I don't know what's wrong with me, but still. <laughs> That's that's crazy. I love it. Hey, it's got their own thing. Some people squirt, some people subtitle. I was going to say, do you watch porn with subtitles on? Oh no, no. I'm yeah, not. why don't you watch porn with subtitles yeah. on? Imagine do you want to know the plot? <laughs> That'd be a job, wouldn't it? Writing the subtitles for porn. How would how do you spell uh or uh, 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 uh. <laughs> the bed squeaks? She squirts. <laughs> Squirt. <laughs> I know what I'm doing after this. It's I'm going to have another cup of tea, actually. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I haven't had a pee in a bottle tonight, by the way. 
Ooh. I've, a, I've bought... no bottle, B, no we. Mm. I've bought my potty just in case. How are you getting on? I, well, I'm doing all right. I haven't, I'm, I'm feeling the need to have a little tinkle at some point, but um, I'm doing okay at the minute. <laughs> Are you all right, Dave? Are you coping? I'm fine. I've still got like half a... You've got your catheter in, haven't you? Yeah, it's easy that way, isn't it? You just sort of sit here and let it drip out. <laughs> you do it, you old bollocks. Yeah, just empty it at the end of the day. Empty the bag. I'd like to empty a bag of news I've got for fabulous new movie coming out. I'm going to talk trailer. Now, <laughs> I know I'm in dangerous ground here because I know you don't do trailers anymore, did you still do trailers, Chris? Yeah, I'll do trailers. He yeah. does trailers. But I like this new thing that's happening with trailers where they're not telling you a lot all of a sudden, like the Suicide Squad trailers, uh, like little two-minute music videos, which has been quite exciting. Mm. I know, Dave, you still won't watch them, and you're right not to because a lot of movies have been ruined, as you spoke about Batman versus Superman, which fucking ruined the movie. Um this trailer came out for Star Wars Rogue One, um, and it looks fucking incredible. Yeah. Um, this is the guy that directed Godzilla, I think, which wasn't the best movie ever, was it? But he's going to give it that sort of earthy grit that I think a Star Wars movie loves. But the new trailer came out for that, and I just want to say it looks absolutely Star Wars awesome. Um Ben Mendelsohn's in it as a bad guy. Stop right there. I'm already in. Take my fucking money. Um, if you don't know Ben, I think I've spoke about him previously as being one of the finest working actors at the moment. He's in Place Beyond the Pines, Mississippi Grind, Animal Kingdom as a right fucking brilliant cycle. There's a good movie to recommend, Animal Kingdom. But yeah, the trailer's got a nice bit of Forrest Whitaker in it. A nice bit of... Um, Retro Star Wars, as in A New Hope shit going on, and um, Atat's shooting at people on the ground, which is fucking awesome. That has been very exciting for me as that came out. Um, but I saw it on the beginning of a film I saw in the cinema. Now, have stop me if I've spoken about this, because my memory's shit, but have we or anybody spoken about 10 Cloverfield Lane? No, no. but I've heard loads of good things about mm -hmm. it. Can I give you a quick one on 10 Cloverfield Lane? Because that is another one I'm going to heartily recommend. If you missed it in the cinemas, get it any way you can. Um, it's not what you think it's going to be. And it was so refreshing to watch a film where you don't know what's going to fucking happen, where you even if you've seen the trailer, you think you know what's going to happen. You don't. The trailer shows you probably something that happens in the first 15 minutes of the film. The rest of the movie goes from sci-fi to psychological horror. And if John Goodman doesn't get a fucking Oscar nomination, I'll be surprised because lovely, lovely Dan from Roseanne gives one of the most brilliantly sinister funny turns. And do you know what he reminded me of? Kathy Bates in Misery. And <laughs> she won an Oscar for that. And she plays a jittery you know, sort of psychopath, and he is on the line all the way through this. You don't know whether he's good, you don't know whether he's bad, you don't know whether to trust him, you don't know how long his trousers are going to stay intact for because he looks like he's going to die on screen. John Goodman is two steps away from a heart attack in this movie. God love him. <laughs> he is a big boy in this, but he is incredible in it. And 
I urge you to watch this film. It's I can't tell you a goddamn thing about it. Obviously, if you know what you've seen or read about it, stuck in a bunker underneath a house, things are going on above ground. That is literally all I could tell you about it. But you are in for an absolute shock because you will not expect anything that happens in it. And I came out with such a big smile on my face. Like, yes, somebody's made a film that can actually surprise me and I can't predict what's going to happen next. Um, it's it's brilliant, totally brilliant. Three people in the three people in the whole movie in pretty much one location, and it's an absolute blockbuster. It was awesome. Wow, that's awesome. I know uh, Ben from Asia Mania podcast uh, really loves it as well. So, um, but again, I, I don't think it's done amazingly well. I, I'm, uh, you know, it's one of those again. People are perhaps going to ignore it a little bit, but I definitely will be checking this one out because it looks. Uh, Fantastic! I've heard nothing but good things, particularly about uh, John Goodman. Oh, he's he's just because he is a great actor, and he's been a great actor for Donkey's years, like The Big Lebowski. Um, you know, every every film you've seen him in, uh, Red State, he was even great in, wasn't he? For he's only in half the movie, but in this, it's and I think it's because he's not like a relevant big star, is he? I suppose if like Channing Tatum was in it, people would go and see it just because he was in it, or Matthew McConaughey, but he acts his tits off and he's got big tits <laughs> he acts his tits off in it and he's absolutely amazing honest to god for a movie like this he deserves an oscar nomination and that's not like an an oversight he's absolutely amazing in it he's he makes you laugh i was laughing nervously at him because you don't know what the, where he's coming from in it and i don't do that often with movies where i'm like <laughs> i don't know what's going on but i'm afraid of him and, or is he a nice guy? Um, there's melty, acidy, freaky, weird sci-fi shit in it. It's awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm, cool. Yeah, I'll have to put that on my to-watch list. Definitely. Get it watched. Yeah. Get it watched. Yeah. Wicked. Shall I go next? Go on, then. So this was the final film on our nights before we travelled home. And you've talked about it before. I know Tina's talked about it before and absolutely loves it. And so that's the reason why I bought it, because I thought, you know, it's it's about time. Uh, it's from 2002. It stars Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, the amazing James Spader, and its secretary. Um, so this tells the story of... Um, well, I think, first of all, I mean, my initial thoughts were that uh, you know, from the the box of the you know the the actual DVD itself is, uh, I thought it was going to be you know it's an 18 right, um, it's got a woman with uh, like well not got stockings but you know kind of um, what do you call them when they have got the line at the back of them fuck you know it's, uh, the, the hem isn't it they yeah, it, yeah, yeah um, oh fuck she's bent over basically I know I knew enough about the film to know that it, there's BDSM in it you know um, and it's there's like but I thought how naughty could it be is it going to be really titillating is it going to be gratuitous is it is it what so I, I kind of had all those thoughts going through my head before I watched it but actually the, the story is quite beautiful in a lot of ways you know um yes it is very kinky and i'll come to that later on but not in an in a sort of like pornographic way or a, i've not seen 50 shades of gray but I, what i can imagine sort of that type of audience you know going for if you like almost very glossy and everything this just 
I don't know, it just sort of feels a bit more real, a bit more realistic. But the, the sad thing is that probably like 1% of the audience that saw, uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey would never even heard of this or have, have seen it. And it's an amazing film. It really is one that stays with you for days and days after you've watched it, from my point of view anyway. So it tells the story of... Um, Maggie Gyllenhaal, uh, who plays a character called Lee Holloway, and um, she comes out of a facility, you know, uh, hospital, and she's got problems uh, in terms of self-harming. And that's initially I thought, well, fuck me, this is a strange direction that the film's taking, considering the sort of like, you know, the the subject matter as such, you know, the, the overall sort of what's going on with the film and everything else the way it's portrayed maybe even the way, the way it's marketed and so initially I'm I'm intrigued you know well, where's this going she's quite bookish she's quite dowdy you know the way she dresses she's got low confidence you know she's and it's amazing her performance going from this journey to where she ends up and she applies for a job you know she's got I think, you know, it's Les- Leslie Ann Warren's in it and I, I, you know, don't see her in enough films and I think she still looks fucking great. You know, she still looks not really gorgeous. Uh, you know, that's her mom. Uh, Stephen McCatty is her dad. He's got drink problems and you can sort of say that her self-harming has, uh, her family relationship has, has contributed to her mental state. So she applies for a job. She wants to get a bit of independence. She um, applies for a secretary's position and as she's going in for the job interview, there's a, a woman leaving, carrying her stuff, and she's in tears. And you're thinking, well, what the fuck? Uh, and then she meets James Spader, who is just phenomenal in this. I can't say more good things about him. You know, he's uh, Mr. Grey, of all things. Now, whether that's where the inspiration came from for Fifty Shades of Grey, I don't know. But he's a lawyer. Um, and, you know, she gets the position to be his secretary. And I don't want to say more than that, really, because I don't want to spoil it for people. But she then uh, goes on this journey. And that sounds really fucking corny. But she goes on this this journey of being this, like I said, quite bookish, low in confidence um, person who self-harms to deal with pain of life, to deal with her own sort of mental pain. Uh, and they have a relationship which uh, is incredible to think about you know um it's it i don't want to say too much more than that because it it, it would be spoiling it for people and i don't want to spoil it for people because i really want people to go out away and watch this film and just sort of appreciate it perhaps as much as i did now Kay and i watched this together and she, her re, you know kind of review at the end was it's a bit it was a bit weird but i liked it and i'm horny and the, you, you can't have a better fucking review of a film than that. And, uh, you know, so uh, my impression of it was kind of a bit stunned, to be honest with you, because the sexual stuff in it, um, and, it, and obviously at the end of it, I thought, wow, yeah, I can understand why it's an 18. Uh, there's not stuff like penetration and, and things like that, you know, and it's not like just uh, fucking like, you know, people shagging. It's about sort of more than that. And it becomes more of a love story between these two characters who um, one pushes the other away, but then the other is so utterly devoted to them. And, that you know, they almost get tested to a certain degree and then that they show their devotion to each other in different ways, you know, and they end up, you know, they can't live without each other. And they just, it's, 
an amazing film that I would urge people to watch. You know, actually go out and watch this. Fuck Fifty Shades of Grey. Watch Secretary if you want to get your your kicks in terms of a bit of kinky stuff in there. But also have us filled with substance, with great performances, particularly James Spader, who is utterly fucking amazing. You know, he really is fantastic. Just made me sort of realise... I haven't seen enough of his films, to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, I am going to go out and seek out more of his films. I mean, I've seen loads of Spader films, you know, because he was um, part of around that time with the, the sort of the Rat Pack or whatever, Brat Pack, um, you know, sort of like 80s and everything else. And so, and, and, and seeing the films that he's done, obviously, I'm, I haven't seen Crash. Now that people are going to be, oh, you're going to be, sort of, oh my God, you haven't seen, but I'm going to watch that. Um, there's other films that I want to, like, you know, White Palace, because Susan Sarandon, you know, if you think he's been in some films that are so called kinky, I guess you want to, you know, got stuff, Sex Lies and Videotape, uh, White Palace, I mentioned Bad Influence, um, you know, it, but he's an incredible actor and he's absolutely fantastic in this film. It's just, uh, and Maggie Gyllenhaal as well, just compliment, they compliment each other so well. And now we're not going to understand why people are saying, actually, I would have preferred more of, spader actual spader in age of ultron as yeah. opposed to you know the robots sort of that, that we got because he's fucking awesome and it is you know i'm looking at some pictures of it now and i'm maggie gyllenhaal is so horny in it it's, you know you know just it just like i said you can't get a better recommendation than your wife turning around after watching it and thinking and saying I'm pretty horny now after watching that, you know, and it's, but it's not a porno, you know, it's really not a porno. Uh, so yeah, I, we had a good night. Our last night was, <laughs> hey, made it on the last night. And, uh, despite her being pregnant and, uh, you know, a bit sort of like, sort of, um, nauseous, <laughs> it, the film still made her, uh, quite excited. Oh. And uh, see, so, and I was a bit sort of taken aback by that. Cause I was just thinking, shit, Oh my god! Because I just expected there to be no sex for the next nine months, so um, that was awesome. And I'll, my abiding memory of Secretary now will be watching it, thinking it was amazing, and then getting my leg over afterwards. Yeah, and getting the, the desired <laughs> results as well. I'm surprised you, you don't keep putting it back on the TV every night, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, next time I think I will. You know, it's but maybe it was a one-time deal because uh, now we've seen it. I don't know, but. I, yeah, I just thought it was superb. The way it started, the way it opened up, it just drew you in because it starts off with her in a, you know, a sort of like secretary get-up. In, in, I, I have a bit of a thing for secretaries anyway, I have to say. That's one of the things I'll type into RedTube. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, I just have a bit of a thing, that whole secretary. You know, Squirting like, secretaries, that's, oh that's my what God. you type in. I'm in heaven, you know, <laughs> but it's... Uh, and then sort of seeing her then going to back to reverting them for six months prior to where she was. Oh, I loved it. I thought it's absolutely stunning. So I'm dying to know what you guys thought of it. Oh, it is. It's a big favourite of mine. I introduced Zoe to it as well, because obviously the Fifty Shades bollocks was everywhere. And she's mm-hmm. thankfully not one of these girls that's interested in stuff like that. So I said, look, I've got a film here that, you know, came out many years before Fifty Shades of Grey was even a thought. The main character in it is called Mr. Grey. Um, and you'll tell me the girl that wrote them fucking books didn't watch Secretary and reinvent her own version of it because it's an indie movie. It's only 
been seen by those like us that would seek out a movie like this because of the acting in it and whatnot. It it's um, a far more realistic version, like you say, of this BDSM world. It's not this fucking rich guy, you know, uh, getting people to sign contracts. It's a bloke that wants to dominate a woman and doesn't think there's a woman out there that can cope with his his deviancies and his specific types of things, which aren't that horrific really in it, but they're very arousing. The way he dominates her is brilliant in it and the way she gets seduced into it because he's not horrific to it. He doesn't like say, oh, look at my, this is my sex room, like in Fifty Shades of Grey. It's like um, you need to write that out six or seven times. You, you, and he keeps on going at her about, uh, he, he uses a red pen, doesn't he, to circle yeah. where she's gone wrong. And it's almost like um, she's a naughty girl and he's the teacher. And it's that sort of domineering relationship. A lot of women do respond to. And I know that um, in my experience as well, you know, subtle things like that, because every woman thinks they're in control and ultimately they are in control of everything in the universe. We're just living in their world. But sometimes they like to be reminded that, we're dominant and this is how they blossom in this film i mean the bit where he bends her over the desk and spanks her um and then he wanks on her doesn't he oh god that is i'm I'm thinking about that scene now and at the time i was watching it and now again i'm not gonna I'm, i'm an adult you know and and i'll admit i've watched porn with my partner because well you know you why not we're both adults when you're feeling a bit naughty you always stick a porno on and 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 whatever but i got i'm not uncomfortable watching that because it's it's at the end of the day it's a it's a mainstream film it's not a porno but Mm. i'm thinking like we're both lying there watching the film and i'm thinking and and he's fucking cracking one off and we're both thinking what the fucking hell what's going (laughs) on here but then what she does as a result of that you're thinking at the first, is she horrified? Is yeah. she is she upset? Because, you know, you're thinking he's going to fuck her, you know, he's going to bend her over and, and, and shag her, you know, but he doesn't. And then she's really horny as a result of it, goes to the, the toilet, the ladies' room, and fuck me, oh, my God, what a, a performance that is, you know. Yeah. And it's just because it's like having that – and you, uh, this – it got me thinking. I'm thinking to myself, what is, uh, you know, you've, I've been on dates. I'm sure we've all been on dates, you know, when you're sort of like, you're so fucking horny for each other, but you're not, you're not at that stage of the relationship where you can just go home and bang each other's brains out, you know. So you, you, are, you know, I've come away from sort of like dates where I've had a stiffy for like an hour and my balls ache so much, you know, <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I'm walking down the street bow-legged, do you know what I mean? And it's like that kind of, you know, you go home and you, you sort of, because you, you sort of, you want to with each other, but you're not at that stage mm. with it, of the relationship. And you can imagine how fucking horny they must have been for the, for him to do that then to her and then mm. for her to go off and do what she did. Oh my God. You know, it just blows my mind. I've, it's good, yeah. isn't it? Because it's almost like they're courting in like a subversive sort of way, isn't it? Like he doesn't take her out on dates or anything, but he slowly builds up this to, point, to the point where he just can't cope anymore. But he doesn't fuck her. He do- and it would have been almost like a rape, wouldn't it, really? Because no, there's no, nothing spoken, is there? No. It's all suggested with their emotions and their acts. But if he had a fucked her in that scene, it, she probably would have let him. 
but I don't think she would have been as excited by it because she'd have probably felt defiled. But because he just wanks on it, she's like, oh, God, I really wanted him to. And she wants him more. And it's almost like this sort of subversive courting ritual they have to the point where she totally gives over to him and he ignores her doesn't he for a point as well and he doesn't when he starts to push her away and then she's there you know presented to him at the end of the movie and they're totally infatuated with each other because they've gotten that sexual bit out the way because it's always the awkward bit in a relationship when you get to know someone is when do you fuck and if you do it too soon you've probably ruined things because you like most men you'd be like well I've shagged her now unless she's really hot and awesome you wouldn't really be bothered about shagging her again because you're yeah. like, oh, I've got to get into a relationship with her now. But they stave off the sex to build this sort of rapport with each other in that he's the dominant, she's a submissive. It's beautifully done. And it's a shame, again, like with Green Room, nobody will see Green Room and because of other huge movies that come out and with Fifty Shades, nobody's going to go and seek out Secretary because they think Fifty Shades is where it ends. But it doesn't, you know, there's other films, like The Piano is another one for a relationship like that with Harvey Keitel and Holly Hunter, where it's very unspoken but beautiful and quite brutal, um, like most sex I have, you know. It's <laughs> a, a lot of violence involved and it's not normally on my part. <laughs> no, but, but no, it's, it's a stunner. It is. Dave, what did you think of it? Oh yeah, I mean, I haven't. I've got to admit, I've not seen it for a long time. Uh, I've been a big fan of James Spader since Tough Turf. I think was the first thing I saw him in back in like the mid '80s. I did have Secretary. You know what? The last time I watched Secretary was when I owned it on VHS, the X rental. Oh, back in the day, did you it's wank going. to it? Has anybody had a wank watching this film? By the way, any point? Well, my I said my first experience of it was um, ended up having a shag at, after his. I uh, said so no, I didn't need to. <laughs> You're winning there, mate. I know. <laughs> if you if you want a good wank over James Spader, though, when you do get to see Crash, um, he does have a lovely sex scene with Elias Cotes, which has stayed with me forever. Really? Wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, it all goes fucking balls to the wall in Crash. It starts off with fucking... There's some car crashes. There's a bit of a leg Ooh. fucking... And then there's some bumming. Oh, it's a, it's awesome crash. Wow. Oh, again, I've not seen that for a long time too. Oh, like Dave, you watch that bumming scene loads, mate. <laughs> well, yeah, we all. <laughs> Apart from that scene, obviously. You're always going on about it. <laughs> oh. Mmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm, squirting and bumming and all going on tonight. <laughs> Prolapses. <laughs> oh, God. But that is my favourite film I've watched since we last spoke. Um, awesome. So, yeah, loved it. I think my favourite film that I've watched since we last spoke, totally opposite to Secretary, um, The Lady in the Van. Either of you two seen that yet? Uh, no. Squirting, squirting in the Van? Believe me, you would, as good as Maggie Smith is in this movie, you would not want to see her squirting. Um, oh yeah. Do you see her boobs in it? No. Would you want to see her boobs? Just, just asking. I'm not bothered. I mean, <laughs> it, totally indifferent. It tells, it tells the true story um, of Alan Bennett, playwright, UK playwright, Alan Bennett, oh. uh, of how he had this sort of strange relationship with this eccentric homeless woman. Uh, although I say homeless, 
she lived in this van, like this Bedford van, and it's parked in the street where he's moved into, and they're all sort of high, middle, lower, upper class people with money, you know. Um, get very offended that this broken down van is parked in their street and outside their house. Uh, and it shows, you know, uh, one scene, it shows this... Uh, the couple and they've got these two like posh kids and they they get them to play the music loud which annoys her so she moves the van and moves it up the street but it ends up that she ends up parking her van in alan bennett's driveway and she ends up like i said it's a true story she ends up living in his driveway in her van for 15 years wow and uh, I'm just looking at the name of the actor now. The name of the actor who plays Alan Bennett is Alex Jennings. And he is absolutely fucking brilliant as, as Alan Bennett. He's got him nailed because he plays, he plays Alan Bennett twice. Because you've got, you've got Alan Bennett in his house by himself, but he talks to himself. So you've got what you call, well, he describes it as the writer the playwright, Alan Bennett, who's mostly sat in the window at the table, writing and writing and writing. And then you've got the other side of Alan Bennett, the other side of his personality, who's not writing. So the, he, he talks to himself, but you see him talking to himself. So, of course, he plays the same character twice and he's lucking out. And bit by bit, the backstory of Maggie Smith's character, Miss Shepherd, is slowly given to you. And... When you first see her, you know, you think, oh, she's this mad old woman who just stores everything in this van that she lives in. But then as you're given little snippets of what her past was like and you eventually find out what she was in her youth and it goes back and it shows you, you know, what, what happened in her youth and what she did. It is absolutely fascinating and made even more so because it's a true story. Uh, and Maggie Smith's performance in it is stunning, really stunning. It's one of those, it's like, I'm just looking now, I think it's less than two hours, uh, hour 44. And it's one of those, sit back, uh, fantastic British movie, makes you feel good, makes you feel a bit sad, makes you feel annoyed at people. Uh, but it's, it's all about Maggie Smith's performance for me. Loved it. Really good, really good movie. Recommended. Mm. No, you know, no action, no, no CG fights or action scenes or any i think the the wildest it gets is when uh alan bennett pushes her down the street in a wheelchair uh, and she has her arms flung up in the air as though she's on a roller coaster that's about as, as wild as it gets but it's a, a really good story cracking story cool mm. looks good looks good yeah I've, I've seen it but i just can't bring myself to watch it I'm just I'm being a right fucking ass with you've got with to be you've got to be in the mood I think with a, a few movies like that you've got to be in the mood for it but if you are it's you know it's, it was really good I'd watch it again definitely it, it's like even after we talk about Stephen Hawkins in that film and we were talking about him shagging in the wheelchair and that I just couldn't do it I just couldn't put it on and watch it <laughs> do you know what I mean I did I did give the Danish girl a go though not literally <laughs> But Eddie Redmayne makes quite an attractive girl. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm I'm funny with films like that because it's all very British and yeah, what, yeah. yeah. And I'm I'm like, oh, uh, give me Shane Meadows. <laughs> well, like I say, if you do get in the mood for that, it's 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 not shit. Far from it. Oh, nice one, Dave. Uh -huh. Mm. Any other? Any, anything else? We've got it's any come back videos? around to me again, yeah. now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I, I haven't watched a hell of a lot, to be honest. And in terms of video games, forget about it. Even though I'm online, I've hardly touched it. Um, I have been playing a mobile game, though. 
here's a good one for you. Now, I know you're the king of the mobile games, Dave. Oh, I have a, I have a couple for you, mate. But this one's called Alto. I don't know if you've seen this or Alto's Adventure, I think it's called. Yeah, actually, great, game, great game. Yeah. Um, it, it's really pretty. It's really nice to listen to. Um, and you're just snowboarding down a hill. It's like a sideways scroller um, where you've got to collect your llamas. Um, but there's something stunningly beautiful about the whole thing as you go from day to night. Um, I just couldn't get enough of it. I, I just drift away in it like a lovely dream. Um, the, the graphics are stunning on it. Um, very simple, you know, layered backgrounds. Um, but just it's just so serene to play there's nothing magical in it you know you don't get it like huge achievements it's just completing three tasks move on you know grind poles and stuff like that. it's not like a pole dancer you know <laughs> like grinding a pole like that but just collecting your llamas i mean you say you've played it chris I don't, how far did you get did you go yes. all the way it, well, it's yeah, it's, it's an infinite runner, so you basically yeah. keep going until you crash, and so you you know it's, you tap the screen to jump, and then you can hold the hold the screen, and you'll do like a somersault, and then you, you can get extra speed boosts, and you get somebody chasing you after a while, and you collect co you collect coins as you go on, and then you can buy different skins, you can pick up different uh, unlockables, like you can uh, get like a uh, something you pick up it, it uh, attracts coins and stuff so you get like a magnet and you can float and you can like get pick um, get uh, unlockable so you can do that do it for longer and stuff like that it is it's just such a a great game to just sort of like put on you know maybe sit on the toilet or you know just sit on the bus wherever and just drift away it, it's uh, the, the way that they sort of like hit those big jumps as well where you um it almost the, the the cameras of the game sort of like zooms in and it slows down and it's so well done. Uh, it's a it's a great game. I don't think it's free to play, but it's like a couple of quid or something like that. Or did you, did you pay anything for it? No, I I got it free on Android. Okay, I can't remember if it was or not. But anyway, either way, if it wasn't, it's worth a couple of quid. It's um yeah. A cracking little game, well worth seeking out. I've I've recommended it on the same coin, you know, Alto, Alto's Adventure. It's a it's a it's a cracker. That's the one. I've I've enjoyed playing that because, like I say, with video games, I'm I'm trying to get back into it. I'm I'm gonna probably end up getting Doom just for old time's sake. You know, um, when I get a new nice new telly, I think it'll look very nice. Yeah. Um, but that's all I'm looking forward to at the moment. I just, I don't know what to get. Where do I go for games? What do I do? I don't want to play Dark Souls 3. Uh, a quick recommendation then for you, PS4, uh, Ratchet and Clank is yes. fucking glorious. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, you'll have to borrow it off Dave if, uh, he has, if he's got a physical copy of it. Mm. It's uh, stunning. It's a, a sort of old school action adventure platformer. Um, beautiful. One of the most beautiful looking games on the PS4. Just plays like a dream. Uh, it's just a stunner. It really is. And the fact that you can pick it up for a 30 quid it, you know it's um it's a great game really is then obviously got uncharted 2 uh, sorry uncharted 2 oh, yeah. uncharted 4 coming out on tuesday uh the um as we record the 10th i think it is and that's just getting universal acclaim all the reviews of that are just you know incredible so i'm i can't wait to get my hands on that 
So it's a good time to be a gamer at the moment. Um, I'd recommend Firewatch as well, which um, I played recently. Uh, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of, as I'm going throughout the year, I'm sort of like thinking about my games of the year. I'm still going to, I'm going to do a top 10 like I did last year. So I'm sort of already thinking instead of writing 10 reviews within the space of a week, I'll write them as I go along. And Firewatch will be in my top 10 games of the year. It's, um, it's a cracking little, well, whether you call it a game or not is another thing. There's that debate mm. to be had about whether it's a game. Basically, you play, it's first person uh, view. You're like a guy who, for reasons of his own, which I'm not going to give away, goes off to i think it's colorado uh, to be like a, a firewatch sort of like uh park ranger and you um have a relationship with um a woman called delilah who's in another tower who you never have any physical contact with but you have a relationship through your walkie-talkie and your radio um there's no action as such you don't have guns you don't have weapons you 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 know have a compass and a map and that sounds a bit daunting because it is pissed it you know it would piss me off if i kept getting lost all the time but you know you you don't generally get lost it's quite a linear game even though it's kind of set as in an open world so to speak but i'd always recommend play it with the headphones on because it just makes it sound more authentic you know you're having this kind of like relationship and the sort of like the kind of noise you know with the radio coming through mm. and the you know the radio voice and everything and the you know listening to the trees and the grass and the wind blowing um and you know you're just generally doing mundane things but there's this something else that's going on it's you sort of like living your life and and having a relationship with this woman it's a cracking cracking uh, game or experience whatever you want to call it um highly recommended and it's you can buy it downloadable it's 12 quid um well worth it that sounds nice that i like yeah. something different like that yeah yeah ratchet and clank mate is is amazing i finished the main story of it the other day uh and before because you can like replay it in challenge mode can't you so i'm, I'm not starting the challenge mode yet because i'm going back to the different planets and mopping up little different bits that i haven't done um uh, but yeah it like you say it looks amazing and it plays amazing too and it's uh it tickles that little you're collecting bone, doesn't it? You know what I mean? When you've got all these nuts and bolts and you're collecting them and it's the sound that it makes as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's even down to that. It makes such a great sound when you collect all these nuts and bolts. It's, yeah, really, the, really good game. The biggest recommendation I can say about the game is that when I've finished it, it's like I want to play it again because you get little, you know, you get like um, a jetpack, you get grinding boots, you know, that you, you, you accumulate throughout the, the game. And obviously there's areas that you can't access, you know, until you've got those. So you've done levels where you see stuff and you think, oh, hey, shit, how do I get over there? And then later on in the game, you get stuff to be able to go back. I just, I'd want to replay it because play, it's such a great game to play. Just, mm. it's effortless, you know, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Is it two-player co-op as well? No, it's single-player, unfortunately. Ah, right, okay. But, um, yeah. It's free you should mention that as well, though, because I completed Ratchet & Clank. I also completed on the PS4 um, Tear Away Unfolded. Ooh, yeah. Um, yeah, now I completed Tear Away on the Vita, so I thought, oh, pick this up. Um, completed this. Now, I really enjoyed it on the Vita, not so much on the PS4. Uh, okay. And because, you know, you mentioned about Ratchet and & Clank, and the first thing you want to do is when you completed it is, yeah, I want to go through it again. I completely tear away unfolded, and much like Ratchet and Clank, you can go back and there's loads of stuff to collect and more bits of the levels that you can find. I found it like so frustrating in parts. Mm. Uh, camera really 
I mean, we shouldn't be like we're in 2016. You shouldn't have really bad camera issues on video games anymore. But there's loads of times, you, you know, the camera would disappear behind the scenery. You couldn't see where you were going to go. Uh, it was over long. They seemed to really force in features to go, well, we haven't used the six axis too much yet, so we're going to do that. We haven't used this, so we're going to do that. Uh, and I found the last couple of levels a, a grind to do. So I thought, I'm going to stick it to the end, but by the time I got to the end of it, even though there was a load more you could do on another replay, I, I just couldn't be asked. Mm. I've got that to play, you know, so, yeah. but, uh, hmm. Yeah, it's, yeah, I prefer, much preferred the original on the Vita. Mm. Has anybody got anything? I've, I've got a couple of mobile games. Well, we've got a film that Ooh. you and I can talk about, I guess, haven't we? Oh, go on. Yes, go on. Should we, well, should we, do you want to do your mobile games? Should go we on, save then. it for the end? We'll save it for the end, then. Go on, then. Um, I will. Oh, I will. I want to make people aware of this because I'm not sure how long the offer is going to be. But on the Google Play Store at the moment, uh, and I got this on my tablet. I'm not sure if it's on um, iTunes or not. If you've got an Apple device, but if you've got an Android one, uh, Lego Star Wars: The Complete Saga is 82p. Wow! Whoa, yeah. So I downloaded it onto. I've got a Galaxy Tab Pro. Played the first level. Plays great. Controls are really good, quite snappy, nothing doesn't lag or anything. 82p for the complete saga. So, again, I'm not sure if that's like the fixed price or it's going to be just for a little while, but I just wanted to make people aware of that. Right, Ramrod. A game that you were quite addicted to, and Zoe, last oh year. Oh my god, is this making a comeback? Remember Crossy Road? How could I forget it? There is now Disney Crossy Road. Is it a proper official Disney? Right, you've got... So it's the same Crossy Road gameplay, yeah. but it mixes it up because there's all these different levels. So the films that are in it is, I'm just going to read them out now, Wreck-It Ralph, Inside Out, Tang oh, Tangled, Big Hero 6, The Lion King, Haunted Mansion, Toy Story, uh, Zootropolis, uh, and Mickey Mouse and Friends, which is all the classic, you know, Disney characters like Mickey Mouse and Goofy and all of these. So depending on what character you pick, you know, and what movie they're from, the level that you play will be based around that movie. And on top of that, so you've got all different characters from each movie that you play in that level. What it does is it tracks your high score for each character on that level. So I could play, say, Toy Story level as Buzz, and I'll get, you know, I don't know, like, say, 50 so when you get to 50, it, there'll be a line. It'll say, Buzz Lightyear. So you know that's his highest score. Then you can play it again as Woody, and you set a high score as Woody. I and, love it. And it's got, you know, that just one more thing about you trying to collect all the characters. You've got that little uh, machine where you pull the lever and the little thing falls down. You think, oh, what oh, character yeah. have I got now? Have I got a rare one or not? And again, it's not just trying to get the high score on one level. It's trying to get the high score with each character on these levels as well. Uh, and they had all different things. Things are moving sideways, and the levels are so different for each movie, rather than it just being that, oh, I'm going to run across grass, a road, um, a railway line, and then like a river with some logs. There's all sorts of shit going on. So there you go, mate. You and I Zoe am, uh, will be addicted. I am downloading it right now. <laughs> it's halfway through download, because I've just sorry. looked at it. And it is like it is proper Crossy Road, and that that must say something for the people that have made Crossy Road, because now they're getting endorsed by Disney. Mm. They've made it, haven't they? That's it. You know, and, and I love the little eight bit 
characterizations of yeah. Donald Duck and Buzz Lightyear and that. Yes, it is. Um, it's 100% downloaded. I have it. Thank there you. you. Go. I mean, there are microtransactions, again, if you want to buy some of the characters rather than wait. You know, I wouldn't hope you're going to get them if you can't. Oh, I really need Mickey Mouse and play with Mickey Mouse. Now you can buy them. Um, but you don't have to. You know, it's not going to affect your gameplay. There's plenty of gameplay there and you don't have to spend a penny. Sorted. Got yeah. it. I knew awesome. you'd like that one. <laughs> um, the one that's got me hooked more than anything... Um, is and I was really I couldn't believe I'd never heard a thing about this. I just flicking through again through the Google Play Store, and I found Real Boxing Two, Rocky. It's there a fucking Rocky boxing game. Um, whoa, there's a lot to it. Again, it's got it's got microtransactions in it. It's it, to the point where there's those filthy, dirty ones where you can buy like mega packs of coins and stuff. <laughs> now this is how ridiculous it is. There, are, there is mega packs. The currency within the game, you've got coins, you've got gold coins, and you've got diamonds. You can buy like this mega pack of gold coins for sixty nine ninety nine if you want Jesus. to. Jesus. And it gets worse because you can buy a mega pack of diamonds for seventy nine ninety nine. <sighs> you could literally spend hundreds of pounds on this game. Now, I've been playing it for about a month. I haven't spent a penny. I don't need to spend a penny on it. Um, I will do because I'm playing it every day. And because of you know, I haven't spent anything on. I will chuck a couple of quid to them, you know, as I say thank you for playing. And if I'm still playing it, you know, in another month, I'll chuck another couple of quid. Um, it's 3D boxing game. You make your own boxer. Um, you've got, you can pick, you know, hair, body shape, all of this. You can name him. And then it's got this map system. So it's got this globe, and you start off, and you start off fighting. Obviously, the weak fighters. Uh, you've got four characteristics that you can build up. It's like it's a mini RPG in there as well. You've got strength, health, uh, speed, and stamina. Now, you can build these up in little mini games in a gym. So you can do like a speed bag, uh, you can do the heavy bag, or you can skip rope. Uh, now, to do these mini games within the gym, this is where your gold coins come in. You've got to pay 500 gold coins, and it gives you three mini games. You earn the gold coins by doing the fights. Or, if you're lazy, you can buy the gold coins. But there is no point to it. You know, it's not hindering me in no way at all that I haven't paid any money for this. Uh, the controls are really good. Uh, touch controls, of course, because it's on the phone. So you do things like if you tap the left or the right of the screen, that's a left and a right jab. If you swipe up on the left or a right, that's an uppercut depending on what side is what hand. You swipe down, it's a blow to the body. You swipe inwards, uh, it's a hook. Uh, there's uh, a little button that appears on screen. You press it and you hold your guard up so you can cover your body. And there's another button that you can hold and you dodge out of the way in case it's, it's hitting for your head. So you've got a really good control of the boxer that you're doing. So you, you work your way through the globe and then obviously you know once you've completed this part of the globe, you move across to another country. Now within this, you fight generic boxers, but then you move on. You've got like these boss fights where you fight like Apollo Creed, Rocky. Now it's got skins again that you can buy if you want to, but you don't have to because you can win them within the game. You can get the skin of Apollo Creed and Rocky um, right through to Clubber Lang, uh, Drago, uh, Tommy Gunn. They're all they're all in there. Uh, even all the skins from the Creed movie are in there as oh, well. Cool. It's fucking brilliant. There is. Um, as you work your way through the map as well, as well as story mode, uh, there's online fights that you do. 
So I've had quite a few fights online, which, granted, every time I've had an online fight, it's been a little bit laggy. There's just, but not that bad that it's made it unplayable. It just obviously isn't as smooth as when you're playing a single-player game. But it's been some of the best gaming I've had because I've been like, there's been fights, and all of these fights that you do are just three rounds. That's it. You just, it's a three-round fight, and there's been some really tight ones where you'd think, oh, have I won? And they've gone to points, and it's been a split decision. Um, because part of the gameplay is that as you, if you hit the other person enough times, you build up like this super meter and it'll start um, like this fire will come on screen. You press that and then you unleash this series of a few punches that they can't stop. You'll see their health and stamina go down. If their stamina or indeed your stamina goes too low, you're pressing these buttons really quickly because you, you can grab hold of them. There's a button. If you think, oh shit, my stamina's going to go, he's going to knock me out, you press this button and you, you, you'll just go into a clinch and grab hold of him. Um, so then you basically, the, the RPG side of it is you, you're building the stats up of your character, you're increasing the four things that you've got, either strength, stamina, speed, and so on. Uh, you can also, again, this is where the microtransactions come in again, you can buy um, boxing gloves, shorts, and the shoes, the boots, or you can just get them within the game. There's all different sets of them. So if you um, equip yourself with the same set, they've all each got a name. So you, you uh, wear the same gloves, shorts and boots. It gives you a little stat boost as well. Uh, if you log in every day, this is the hook that they get you to log in every day. You get these uh, lottery tickets. Each time you, you log in, you get a lottery ticket. It'll give you either gold coins, diamonds, um, extra goes on mini games. If you log in a second day consecutive, you get a better lottery ticket. They're split up in with uh, bronze, silver, and gold. I think I'm because I've been logging in every day. I think I at the moment get four gold lottery tickets a day. So it's giving me like really good shit, which is why again. If you don't want to spend any money, you don't have to because the game is rewarding you for just logging in every day. It's a really good, it's a good poo game. Take it when, take <laughs> it when you need, game. take it when you need your daily poo, right? And you're logging in, you're getting your lottery tickets, so there's a bit of excitement there, what am I going to win this time? Uh, up your stats, do a, do a little mini game, get yourself a little bit stronger, a little bit faster, have a fight, do an online fight if you want. It's one of them, um, you don't, you know... People would complain, oh, well, if you want to sit there for hours, you can't do loads and loads of fights because your stamina goes down and you've got to wait. That's, you know, what normally happens with these type of games, that you've got to wait for them. But even if the Rocky uh, franchise wasn't attached to it, I'd still really love it because it's a great boxing game. But the very fact that you've got all the Rocky shit in it as well just makes it, yeah, it's essential for me. Nice. Yeah, it's good. I think it was, if I remember rightly, I think it was like about two ninety nine. Something, right. something like that. Um, yeah, that was it. Yeah, you did have to pay for it. It was two ninety nine. But I, like I said, I've been playing for a month or so now, and yeah, I'd, I'd happily chuck another couple of quid every month at them. Mm. Mm. Well, we've been talking about that shit. I've been playing fucking Crossy Road Disney. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've unlocked The Lion King. Hey, oh, go me. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, that does sound cool. I must admit. I mean, I know when you posted it uh, originally, and I thought, oh god, it looks fucking terrible. But um, the way you've described it, it actually sounds really good. Yeah, it's it's really grown on me. I was a bit undecided to start with, but it's, it has really grown on me. And the, the 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 big thing that's got me tied into it now is this sort of RPG part of it. And I love building up the stats of my character and making my way through this through the map and taking on other fighters. Cool. Mm. Yeah, it's good. Very good. 
Have you had Creed's son on it yet? He is on it, yeah. Has they got, like, different, like, fighting styles, or is it just, like, the bog-standard, you know, they all fight the same sort of thing? No, I found that, you know, the fighters, because some are, some are like, really heavy on the strength, others are more fast and come at you with the, the quick speed but are not as strong, so they alter the, the fighting style, so you've got to alter your defence against them as well. Is it is it a good boxing game? Well, as far as, you know, for a mobile phone, yeah, I mean, it's nothing like, you know, the stuff you're going to get on a console and that, but it's, yeah, yeah it's... Once you get used to the controls, and you can really have found him say, "Oh yeah, you'll you'll throw your guard up, and you'll watch the other box, and you'll see him drop his guard, and you throw in a quick jab and a huck, and then move around." Yeah, it's 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 good. It rewards the more that you play it, it rewards you with that. Uh, I can see people having one go on it and thinking, "Oh no, it's a bit shit," and deleting it. But I think if you stick with it and give it a good few fights, it will grow on you. Cool, man. Mm, yeah. Awesome. Oh, I, yeah. I'm not. I'm not even playing Disney Crossy Road yet. <laughs> uh, who, who, who's who? Oh, unlock Mickey. Oh. <laughs> there he is. Oh, See, Dave, just... it's your fault. I'm it's... sorry. I'm sorry. The graphics are better, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I think they're yeah. a lot sharper. Yeah, they look really nice. Oh, just oh. you wait. You'll get addicted, and you'll think, oh, and you... once you get a character from a movie that you've not got yet, and you discover that level for the first time and all the shit that goes on in it it's just oh yeah just one just one more go just oh it's one that, more isn't go it? yeah. i like the way mickey stops and like waves at you <laughs> that's cute zoe yeah. will go mental for this when she sees it yeah <laughs> not playing it though i'm not bothered no, no i've put no. my phone down good I'm, I'm sorry sorry go on then chris well, um, last night, uh, my wife and I went, went to see uh, Captain America Civil War. Uh, I know you've seen – well, I was surprised actually because I didn't think you'd seen it. Um, well, because we, we got a little WhatsApp group and obviously I popped up and said, oh, I, I liked it. This is what I liked about it. This is perhaps what I didn't like so much about it. But, um, yeah, where did you get to see it then, Dave? Uh, it was weekend just gone. Mm. Yeah, T- Tina was adamant that we went to the cinema to watch it. Yeah, um, she's a big Captain America fan. Yeah, so. yeah. So we went to so, you know IMAX 3D as you do. You off to watch it soon, Ramrod? I wanted to watch it on opening weekend, but we just haven't got round to going. I want Zoe to watch Winter Soldier though first because yeah, yeah. I-, I think it's imperative because I-, I-, I know we we spoke we spoke about it a little bit over the chat, and I know how this Marvel universe is unfolding just like it does in the comic books. You need to have read New Mutants 96 to know what's going on in Spider-Man 34. This is what's happening with these movies, and I love that. It really rewards the geek. But something like Civil War is so big in the comics, you've got to have your backstory ready. So I'm ready. I want to see fucking Black Panther. What the fuck? (laughs) I'm dying to see this new Spider-Man. So I will go. I'm praying for shit weather this weekend so I can go, let's go to the IMAX. Yeah. So do a rain dance, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, well, not to spoil it but just to set it up we don't people fucking hell know the plot of this i would imagine by now but um obviously the avengers of i mean i would recommend that she watches um winter soldier and also age mm. of ultron if she hasn't seen that um yes. so but it's it sets it up that obviously the avengers have happened they've had their films they're, s- they're smashing up the fucking planet you know and uh, the UN is saying, right, you can't keep going on doing this because you're destroying and killing innocent people. Um, 
we want you to sign this treaty so that we, we, you can still carry on being Avengers, but only when we say so. Uh, so half of them say yes and half of them say no. Uh, and Iron Man's all for it, uh, Robert Downey Jr., because he has come to the point where he's kind of not even wearing his suit. Uh, he, he's sort of put that behind him. Uh, and then you've got Chris Evans, who's Captain America, and he's like, no, I don't want to give away my sort of liberties. I don't want to sign a, a treaty to say that, you know, I'll work for people who've got their own agendas, you know, and who's to say that we want to do something, but they're saying we can't, and they're saying that we should do something and we don't want to. And that's the way it all sets it all up. So I suppose the stuff that, uh, to get it out of the way, the stuff that I wasn't so keen on as much, it's... It's a long fucking film. I yeah. mean, it's just standard these days, isn't it, that these films are two and a half hours long. It's It felt like it was, again, like Batman and Superman, perhaps half an hour too long. Um, so I could have done without that. There were times where I wouldn't say I was getting a bit restless, but I just kind of felt like, okay, move on a bit now with the plot. It's just kind of dragging a little bit. Um, I mean, this, this film has been, I think, predominantly universally um, critically acclaimed, you know, I haven't seen any bad reviews of it particularly at all, so I don't sound like I'm slagging it off particularly, but you know, my only impression was, and, he, and again, Kay, she said it just felt a little bit a bit too long, but um, what else was there? Towards the start of the film, there obviously got fights and stuff, but fuck me, they really went to town on the shaky cam fight scenes. Oh, God, yeah. You know, to a point where Quantum of Solace was the last time I thought the fight, fight scenes were like almost unwatchable because it was so close and so shaky that you could couldn't really see what was going on and it's a shame really because like you know winter soldier had some cracking like um you know tear ups and uh that didn't seem as bad but this it just seemed like it was too much um so that that's i could do without that saying all that you've mentioned uh black panther he's an excellent addition i think he's fantastic um spider-man is fucking awesome and like Adam said on uh, the same coin, because they uh, Adam and Ditz had seen this last week. Um, Adam said that this Spider-Man, even though he's only in the film for maybe twenty twenty-five minutes, is instantly his favourite Spider-Man because he's a kid and he's got the Spider Spider-Man mannerisms down, you know. Uh, and he's whenever he was on screen, he was awesome. He was absolutely fantastic. Talking about the fights, there is an amazing fight between them all you know we know it's gonna happen so i'm not spoiling so much of that but that whole section is stunning you know it just that, that, that's really well done um and yeah it's more marvel now again saying all that and as much as i did enjoy it i am starting to get to a point where i suppose like you did with ultron it's better than age of ultron i think you know oh definitely yeah but even so i'm kind of it's <sighs> It's almost like, I don't know, I, I think Deadpool for me is still my favourite at this stage. My favourite cinema trip anyway this year, my favourite Marvel movie for sure. There's no question there at all. Um, I would even go to say, I thought Ant-Man, I really enjoyed that. Mm -hmm. And perhaps yeah. as much on par with this, or maybe even a little bit more, um, just because I liked it. And, it, you know, it is quite, I wouldn't say heavy, it's not heavy like Batman versus Superman, but it does, it's quite... Uh, it has its heavy moments, but then you have like the, the likes of when Spider-Man's in it and when um, Ant-Man's in it, 
it's like you've got those laughs again. And I think he perhaps went the, too far the other way because you said this when you were talking about Age of Ultron. It's like ev- they've always got to have a one-liner. They've always got to have a, a quip. And a, so maybe they toned that back a little bit for this. And when it does happen, it, it kind of it, it's worth it. You know, it's really cool. Uh, so it is a very good film. It's really good um, for the amount of money that it it's, must have had thrown at it. Um, and it does have all the big spectacle and stuff. It's got a good story to it as well. Because like you said, Ramrod, it's based on a lot of the comics and they're very mm. faithful to them. So, um, yeah, very good. Um, perhaps I went in with high expectations. Maybe that's where I kind of, you know, I'm not gushing about it. But what did you thought? I think you're a bit more uh, forthright in your praise, weren't you, Dave? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I've been getting like jaded with all the Marvel because it's been going on so long. Uh, and again, like the the end of Age of Ultron, where it's just you know CG, big CG characters fighting all the big CG characters, and uh, CG skyscrapers fall. I'm so sick of seeing that. So the end fight in this is a little bit different, um, and I enjoyed it far more than that. But say, mate, the the biggest revelation for me was Spider Man, who I was going in thinking I'm gonna fucking hate the spider-man in this um and he, i think he's probably like my favorite character in it and yeah. the way that he portrayed him and the way that the character came across was absolutely brilliant so it's got me i excited for the next spider-man movie which you know i was like really down on thought, oh god another another reboot already of spider-man but since seeing this it's got me quite excited for it yeah uh and again it thinks with it is a Captain America movie, but it is more like an Avengers movie. It is, of, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's got um, Marissa Tomei, who's fucking gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Oh, what does she play in it? She's Aunt May. Mm. You're joking me. <laughs> no. Mm. My God, she's far too hot to play Aunt May. Well, they, <laughs> they even make a little bit of a joke of, about that as well. But, yeah. um, you know, it's... It, she's gorgeous. I mean, she's what fifty-one. She's incredible. Oh, mate. Yeah, and the wrestler, gee, God, mm. <laughs> she's gorgeous. Well, I'm glad they finally nailed down Spider-Man yes. because yeah. I've been a big, big Spider-Man fan all my life. And uh, even though I love Tobey Maguire, I think Spider-Man Two, Sam Raimi Spider-Man Two, is a cracker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's a great film, but they they need to 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 do something with that character because I think it's like they didn't know what to do with Punisher until John Brenthal's obviously fucking made it awesome um, which I'm yet to see I'm kind of building Zoe up to watch Daredevil um, and they didn't really know what to do with Spider-Man because I didn't like the amazing Spider-Man no no I didn't that that much I thought it, it was like some sort of emo shoegazing sort of version of Spider-Man that's not what Spider-Man's about he's not depressed he's fucking Spider-Man he's, he thinks it's fucking hilarious what he can do and he's really super confident and I'm, I've staved away from all the uh, TV spots and all the reveals of Spider-Man apart from that horrible reveal in the trailer they did um, so yeah I'm looking forward to going I've, I've just texted Zoe now and said uh, they're talking about Civil War and she said <laughs> she's come back with our book tickets for Sunday night nice oh, there so you go. you've got a treat a treat in front of you mate oh yeah I love what the Russos did with Winter Soldier I thought it was like Michael Mann made a Marvel movie mm. with that one so yeah they're going on to do Infinity War I think aren't they after this so I see how so. it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. It's mm. not slowing down this fucking train, it's is it? Not, no. The Doctor Strange trailer was pretty incredible as well. That looks fantastic. And they're going into some uh, darker territories now, again, probably thanks to Deadpool. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, they are. Because that was a success and R-rated. They've said, haven't they, the next um, Ant-Man is going to be R-rated as well. Really? Yes. No way? That's what I read. How the hell are they going to make that R-rated? Oh, God knows. I mean, whether it's that's r- true or not, but, you know, never believe everything you read on the internet, of course. But that's, No, uh, I'm ready for the, uh, the Punisher TV show that they're touting to do oh, on Netflix. Yeah. Bring it on. Mm-hmm. But they, they handled Spider-Man so well, because, like, you know... One of the things, like the criticism about Batman vs Superman, is like, fuck me, they showed Bruce Wayne's origin again, you know, or Batman's mm. origin story. And I'm like, there's no need to do that. We've seen mm. that in every single fucking Batman film. Going, it's like, I get it, you know. With this, it's like Spider-Man's kind of already Spider-Man. You know oh, what I mean? So yeah. good. So no need to do any origin. He's been bitten by a spider bullshit. It's, you know, so that was one of the things I, I, I quite liked. Um, what's his fucking name? Uh, the, uh, Garfield, Andrew Garfield. You know, yeah. I like Tobey Maguire. I thought those films were really good. But the first and the second one, like um, Sam Raimi, you know, brilliant you know particularly mm. the second one's amazing that scene which is like fucking evil dead with the when dr octopus gets his <laughs> his tent his powers yeah. jesus that's that's amazing um you know and i quite like andrew garfield as spider-man but again you'd seen it all over again it's like yeah. come on we don't need another reboot so i am looking forward to spider-man now um uh, bring that on yeah for sure what cool. an eclectic mix we've had We've had a lot of gushing and squirting yeah. and spanking, uh, spanking and yeah. wanking. <laughs> and no peeing. No. no. We'll save that for next month. Oh, God. Next month is going to be the all-star piss-up fucking it. nutty one, it I reckon. Be. It's been overdue. <laughs> I'll get the JD and Honey in for sure. I haven't had any of that since New Year's Eve, so oh. I think I'm overdue a few drinks. Definitely. Definitely, you deserve it, mate. Oh, it's bit. It's uh, I, I. I'm all out of things that I've done, and I could tell you about my house and the wallpaper, and and my neighbours that are never here, and um, my neighbour next door had a flagpole. Here's a good one for you for fans of um, you know, the burbs and stuff like that. You know, when you like you live in a neighbourhood and you can kind of suss out who's who quite quickly from their habits. Well, the guy who shares like a divide with me has got a flagpole in his garden and it clangs around in the wind and I looked at it and it's like literally something like Bruce Dern has in the burbs where he pulls up the American flag and salutes it every morning. So I've been waiting to see what this flagpole's been all about and I found out last night he's a fucking Liverpool fan and he (laughs) hoisted a massive live bird flag up because they were playing in the UEFA semi-finals last night and they got through to the final. The motherfuckers left the flag up we should point out for listeners that you're a big Man United fan. <laughs> I'm a big Man United fan, yeah. And having this, I've not met him yet. I did knock on his door and be quite neighbourly, even though none of them have come to greet me to the fucking neighbourhood, probably because they saw me mowing the lawn topless and think I'm a fucking escaped convict. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's got a massive flagpole in his garden with a massive Liverpool flag on it. And that's where I live now, in a community where that's acceptable. Yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it's nice. So I've gone from Ramrod Towers. I'm now in Ramrod Mansion. Awesome. That's nice. And I still have my dick. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you all know. You're back. You're back. I'm back now. Back from um, Europe. 
Yeah, I'm I'm back from Europe. I, I I've got a little I've got a little thing I wanted to chuck in as well. Um, just before I uh, I bow out as well. I know we are a audio only show, but I maybe be branching us out into visuals. Um, I haven't we haven't really um, nailed it down yet, but maybe the title of my Twitter account Ramrod's Purge has been tied with, and maybe to do a YouTube channel. Um, me and my other half are contemplating it at the moment, um, and it'll be linked in with this, obviously, and it won't be anything horrendously different, but just you get to see us. So um, it'll be something I'm tying with in the near future. Did, did you so make a video, Chris, after you watched Secretary that night as well? <laughs> any type of video? I'd like to see it. Uh, <laughs> he's not denying it, is he? You, let's, you let's don't want to right. see my um, my skinny yes, ass. Yes, we do. Bumping up and down. <laughs> did you spank her though, Chris? Oh God, I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> there was no spanking, but there was. <laughs> stuff oh similar god. to the film uh, oh. uh it was it was highly oh my god i can't even believe i'm fucking talking about this no <laughs> charged. it was nice it was lots of stuff in the dark and you couldn't see anything other than the touch it was awesome it's <laughs> all right I'm wrong. i just hope to god that she'll never ever listen to this otherwise I, it will never ever be happening again they so. never listen to these things they've, no. got, they've got josh hartnett films to watch for christ's sake oh fuck me <laughs> anyway anyway Marvelous. thank you with that uh, Ramrod you said already just your Twitter account but if you want to repeat yeah. it for everybody that wants to follow you on Twitter they can find Ra- you at Ramrod's underscore purge and you Chris I'm at dastardly jabby and we're at 60 minutes with as we are for the website and Instagram and everything else just have a look for us and you'll find us Mm. Um, and with that, are we good, all going to go and play Crossy Road now? <laughs> it's, it's already done, mate. I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> I've unlocked something from the haunted mansion, some sort of blue mist or something. I, I need to go and see what that level's all about now, don't I? That's it. It's the WhatsApp group is just going to be comparing high scores now. Mm, I'm going to go and spank the wife. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we shall say our goodbyes. <laughs> goodbye. 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 goodbye.